Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. You know, I, I want it to be said that the commander and I, right up to showtime, we have conversations. And you just said something to me that teased me up. And it's so true. So we're going to have Bob Nightingale on today, our buddy Bob Nightingale from the USA Today at 2.30. Uh, sorry, I need to update 2.45. He has to go back 15. All right, so who do we got today? Kylie McDaniel, who's at the MLB Draft Combine. ESPN. ESPN at 1.30. We're going to have Mark Sheldon, who covers the Cincinnati Reds for MLB.com. 11 in a row now for the Reds as they're uh, red hot in the, uh, in the NL Central. Do you want me to lead you off today with the nugget of nuggets? Is it about the Reds? It's about the Reds. I'm going to lead you off. They played super early today, so I got to go. Nine thirty-five Pacific. The Reds look to win eleven in a row for the first time since when? And they did it. So they've won today. They've won eleven in a row since the first time since when? By the way, did it happen this I, century? I have my Aloha spirit today. Is that from? Do you buy that in Hawaii? Uh, I didn't buy it in Hawaii. This was a friend. A friend always, you know, the ABC stores there. Have you ever been to Hawaii? No. You've never been to Hawaii? No. They have these ABC stores. They're like a little store that has everything in it. And they have all the cheap Hawaiian crap, right? My buddy always <laughs> buys me this stuff. And I used to give it away on my show on 95.7 The Game. I used to go, I have this ancient mug that I had to go into the mountains of the rainforest where you can only, you know, it's an ABC mug. But, yes. 
we have the Aloha spirit today as hula girls on my coffee mug today. Mahalo, everyone. That's thank you. Um, yeah, thank you for the uh, Hawaiian shirt you got me as well. well. When my wife saw it, she goes, that's a nice shirt. I said, yeah, I think I should have been more clear. I love the shirt, but I want, I was. I should have said to you, I want a silk Hawaiian shirt, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, those are over $200, <laughs> so you weren't getting that. You got a welcome. What is that? I got you at least said Maui Yeah, it on says it. Maui on it, yes. Yeah. Well, where's your Raise the Jolly Roger shirt I got from Pittsburgh? It's. I have it. I love it. I can't wait. Ever but since. they're not a sponsor. Link Soul is a sponsor. Yeah. By the way, the Link Soul stuff for summertime. In Hawaii, whether it's the shirts, they got bathing suits, shorts, guys, gals, you want to up your wardrobe? Link Soul. Trust me. Right now they got great deals going on. Go to linksoul.com. Last time the Reds won was, 11 in a row. Was it this century? Yes. 2010. Oh, no, not this century. No. Oh, uh, 1976. Further back? Wow. So not to be. They had a 12 game winning streak back in 1957. Remember it well. Not Big Red Machine. By the way, who I am the 1956 Rookie of the Year, and I was on a tear as a 21-year-old at that time. We are bringing you knowledge today. Red's knowledge. That's a red one. I'm a red rookie, reigning Rookie of the Year, and I'm red hot during that time Um, in 1957. Well, I'm I, carrying the Cincinnati Reds. A lot of the guys I know played after that, like Bench and Perez and all those. So it's going to be yes, none of those. Way after yeah, that. Yeah, so it's none of those guys. I have no idea. Who was it? Frank Robinson. Oh. 21-year-old, the Hall of Famer, Frank Robinson. He's Oakland. Frank Robinson. Was he born in Oakland? I know he grew up in Oakland. Was he born in Oakland, Frank Robinson? Let's, let's double check. Um, he was born in Texas. Oof. But he went to McClyman's High School in yeah. Oakland. So I knew he grew up in Oakland. I wasn't sure if he was born in Oakland. But played, Oakland's own. Played college ball where? I have no idea. Xavier in Cincinnati. Nice. 21-year-old Frank Robinson hit 453 with 16 RBIs during that time. By the way, any dingers today for the Reds? Um, yes, I believe. Uh, I'm going to try to guess. Uh, was it Jake Fraley, I think, hit one? The former Mariner. going into today, they had 17 home runs in their last 10 games. Let me uh, double check and see if they did get one. De La Cruz do anything? I know he got picked off on a double play on a fly ball to right field. I was watching the game for a bit, and it was a it was a mistake. But These young guys. It's, does anybody teach base running anymore? Uh, Fraley hit an, uh, his ninth home run in the eighth inning, so that that's what put the Reds ahead. 18 home runs in 11 games. And, uh, Eli De La Cruz, Ellie De La, uh, is it Ellie? Ellie, yeah. Ellie De La Cruz. Well, that's an ESPN video. Going into today, eight hits in his last eighteen at bats. Do you have any hits today? Um, De La Cruz. He was two for four. He's not hitting three twenty one on the air. So in the last last four games, he's hitting over five hundred. They have now won thirteen of fifteen since he was promoted. Twenty one, folks. They're promoting young guys. I mean, like. A- I hate to bring it up because we hate talking about it, but the Giants have won nine. Was it nine straight now? Because they won again last me, night. You want me to go to Giants notes? I got, I got a ton of Giants notes for you. For all you. And that was since they brought up Luis Matos, the most recent rookie. You're not going to like this oh, for all of us Giant haters, but for all of us Giant haters, here we go. 
The San Francisco Giants have won 10 consecutive games in nearly 20 years. Well, 03. Who was the star during that time? Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds had a almost 1,600 OPS during that 10-game winning streak. Right now, the Giants, during their nine-game winning streak, they've scored 76 runs. That's 8.4 a game, slashing a 300 average, and I'll just do the math for you, an 877 OPS. As a team, that's not like certain players. As a team, their OPS is 877. They just recorded their second straight walk-off yesterday. The Giants, now this, this is something that should translate, but this is early in the year. But if you do this late in the year, really helps you in the postseason. The Giants lead Major League Baseball in runs scored from the seventh inning on. That's impressive, 137. And friend of the program, Jock Peterson, friend of mine after doing the uh, Santa Clara County Baseball Banquet where he was honored, uh, and I took care of him because he didn't want to talk. So I was like, all right, I'll take care of him. Uh, Jock's hitting 320 with a 1,149 OPS, three dingers, seven RBIs during that time. But the most impressive thing I mentioned yesterday about the Giants run, if somehow you have a Giants buddy and they're talking about it, you can just go, hey, listen, I know exactly why you guys are doing well. The bullpen now 16-3 and with a 1.66 ERA over the last 33 games. You got your bullpen hot. They're doing a bullpen game again today against the Padres and and you Darvish. Bobby Melvin. Remember when I tell you it happens all the time. We've watched it with Ace Baseball. You watch it with everybody else. When you do that, it's it's the it's the awful flirting dance with five hundred, right? All of a sudden you feel oh, this dance is getting good. Up, oh, we're back to five hundred, and then all of a sudden the slow song hits. Oh. And you put your arms around your date and you're back to that. Because that's what happens with the dance with 500. You do so much to get to 500 and then you fall back. And then you do so much to get there again and then you fall back. Padres got to 500. Now back to 35 and 38. Mariners just did the same thing. See, where are the Mariners? Got to 500, immediately lost back to 35 and 36. Bob Melvin's club, for the amount of money... We talk about it a lot. For the amount of money to be 35 and 38, and Bob Melvin's team is eight and a half games back to Arizona. Arizona's hot. Dodgers pitching stinks for the first time like ever. We'll talk to Bob Nightingale about that. Uh, the Giants are in, are in second place right now, two and a half games back. So that is very interesting. Arizona up 2-1 over Milwaukee as we speak. And gallons on the mound. I forget where it's Wednesday, so we got a bunch of day baseball going on. Yeah, we already had some games played. We can you know, do go through that real quick. Uh, Toronto beat Miami six three. Blue Jays now forty one and thirty five. Your guy Matt Chapman hit a home run in that game. Uh, we mentioned the Reds won their nine, their uh, eleven straight. The Pirates have lost nine in a row as they follow the Cubs eight three. Detroit beats Kansas City nine four. And and. Cincinnati's good for baseball, but getting back to how I started this thing, as they always say, get the car back on the road. There are problems in this game with certain teams. And we're going to talk to Bob Nightingale as he's hearing guys in Chicago want the hell out. And I'm not talking about the Northsiders. I'm talking about the Southsiders. Oh, 
White Sox, players are like, so, and the reason why this is important is they do have players. They've got bullpen guys. They've got bats. they got pitch starting pitchers. Now, Rick Hahn's been the GM, and then what's his name? Kenny been, Williams. Kenny Williams, the Stanford product, another Oakland guy. Um, he's been the president. What's his title been for all these years? He was the GM when they won the World Series. Yes. Uh, let's see what his – let's look up his uh, official – I'm going to say executive vice president – of baseball operations, president of. Uh, it looks like he's the current executive vice president of the. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, what is that seriously? What is executive vice president? Why are you just not a vice president? I'm going to go to their official website and see what it says. I'm going to look that up. What is it on here? Stupid one. Executive vice president Ken Williams. It doesn't even say of what. It just says. Like, Hold on, Rick Hahn, senior vice president. Senior vice president? What is an executive VP? An executive EP, or you could call it an EVP, is a corporate professional who typically reports to the president of the company. The executive vice president oversees and provides guidance to other vice presidents in the organization and performs the duty of the president if they're away or unable to perform. Okay, that kind of makes sense. So, like, if I'm the big dog, you're like my right-hand man, and if something happens to me, you're able to step in and take over. And yet, even though we have other people who are high up, I'm the big dog, you're the right-hand man, and then you're still above all of them, even though they're vice presidents. That makes sense. Yeah. We learn something every day. Some of you might be saying, well, you're baseball idiots and you should know that. And I would not I would not disagree with you. We are not corporate America guys. <laughs> we wear golf shirts and talk baseball every day. It is what it is. Thank you, Linksol. So thank you, Linksol. Um the reason why I brought this up is that there obviously is issues in Boston. Heinblum's been a disaster. And Cora, Alex Cora, quietly has really soared up the ranks as wins for a manager. It's really impressive where he's, like, starting to rank all time in a very short amount of time. With also being fired for a scandal, being brought back. I mean, it's crazy. But right now, the Red Sox have won six in a row. They're 39-35, and but they're 11 and a half games back. This is what pisses me off. This is what tees me up is when they go, well, they're in another division. You know, if they're in the Central. I'm going to get the exact uh, thing that we got in the the notes today from that game. Because right now, you got leading the Central under 500 is Minnesota at 36 and 38. You know, if Boston was in the Central, they would be leading. I can't stand when I hear that. That is the biggest loser mentality. Who said it? And if it's anybody with the Red Sox, I'm firing them right now. Oh, no, it was just a note in here. It said, despite the Red Sox winning both games of the series, Boston remains in last place in the AL East, and the Twins still lead in the Central. And it's like – I would fire the person who wrote that. Who cares? You're Boston. You're in the East. Unless you want to take the city of Boston and move to the Midwest, you're in the East. I don't want to hear anybody like, – like, if anybody has a beef – it would be teams that play football in the SEC, in college football, right? You could be like, 
I'm Lane Kiffin. Great Raider head coach Lane Kiffin. Lane Train. If you're at, if you're at Ole Miss and you're like, well, you know, if we were in the Big Twelve or the Pac Ten, yeah, you're right. If Ole Miss was in the Big Twelve or the Pac Ten, they're probably winning it. Are there ten teams in the Pac Twelve now or Pac Ten? Uh, San Diego State's going to be uh, supposedly trying to. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, he's got to go up against Nick Saban. He's got to go up against Kirby Smart. He's got to go up against Georgia, Alabama, LSU. The Lane Train. Brian, is in, Ke- Brian Kelly at LSU. He, he's the Lane Train is is in a stacked conference. So what? That's the conference you're in. I do not want to hear teams from the East complaining that they're in the East. I mean, stop it. Now, once again, that's a writer, I guess, who said that, so it kind of takes a little wind out of my sails. But if anybody from Boston pulls that crap. Uh, oh, no, don't worry, I'm sure they are. You weren't complaining when you were winning it. When you won your three World Series recently, you didn't complain. Um, Good note about the Twins, though. On pace to go 79-83, and 83, no team has ever won a division with a record at or below 500 in the divisional era. The worst records by division winners were the 05 Padres, who were 82-80, and you remember the 1973 New York Mets who went to the World Series were 82 and 79. <laughs> Where everybody talked about what a great matchup against the A's. I hope they win under 500, and then I hope they go on a run. At least win a round. Just don't play the Yankees in the first round because I can't beat them ever. I, 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 well, the way it's trending, the Yankees aren't. Yankees are 10 games back right now. Yeah, no, no judge, no, no nothing. So, on that note, Boston, though. Hein Bloom, disaster. He's now been here for years. Is this the fourth year, fifth year? He took over because remember when did he trade Mookie to the Dodgers? So it's that was like twenty twenty. So yeah, it's probably his third Mo- or fourth year. Mookie won the World Series of the Dodgers yeah. in twenty twenty. It's twenty twenty three. Mookie went to the home run derby. I saw today too. Was that so? He got what? So did he get there in eighteen or nineteen? When was it? He might have left after the nineteen season. Let me just. I'll get the uh, the official. He's only forty years old, and that's pretty. Uh, Still pretty young. Yeah. Uh, October 28th, 2019, he was named the Chief Baseball Officer of the Boston Red Sox. What a disaster he has been. Like, they have no identity. I mean, they, they just, they, they, what are they? Well, they've been, in the, they've been in the rumor mill lately about one particular middle infielder oh. in the Bay Area that plays in Oakland. You want to <laughs> fire up the Bay, you want to fire up the, the, the PR machine Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know at 10 a.m. this morning, Boston time, we're calling a press conference. They've made the deal. The Boston Red Sox have acquired a Letmus Diaz from the Oakland. Can you imagine that? What? That, that, what? I said to you right before the show, so I said, can you imagine if that was his big deadline move? He what? acquired a Letmus. A Letmus hey, Diaz? No slide on Letmus hitting 355 over his last 10. His batting average quietly soaring up for the ace. Yeah, well, that and that's – I'm on our front page, by the way, our A's front page, and I said this last night because our buddy Martin – I mean, we got to sell. We got to sell. We got to sell, right? This is the product we got. We got to sell. Um, Kemp showing signs of turnaround in five-game hit streak. And my whole point was love Tony Kemp. Like I said, Tony Kemp is a, a, a phenomenal human being. Tony Kemp's the kind of guy you want to marry your daughter, right? I mean, that's the kind of person Tony Kemp is. But right now, at his age, where he is at, and we did the same thing with Jace Peterson in Pittsburgh. Oh, Jace is hot. You're like, guys, we're not that far away. 
I need some place for Nick Allen to play. I need a place for Jordan Diaz to play. I need a, a spot for Zach Geloff. These guys are coming. They've got to play. Or you're doing yourself no service. You're actually doing yourself a disservice if you don't bring these kids up and give them an opportunity just to play. Because you haven't with Nick Allen. You've played yo-yo with him. Because that's what we do. Because we're still going to act like, well, it's important that we have Seth Brown out there and Ramon Laureano, veteran guys. and Okay, but you're 19 and 56. So if we are in the mode of play veteran guys so hopefully we can flip them, if we're playing flip this house right now, okay, I get it. If we're playing flip this house, I get it. But at some point, I need spots for young guys to play. So, you know, Tony Kemp's turning around for five games. I mean, he's still hitting what? A buck seventy-two? Uh, I think it yeah, that or one seventy one. I have it on I think I have it on here. Uh Kemp is hitting one seventy two. One seventy one, I thought. Either way. Yeah, I got him well, I, 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 I should I trust your notes or MLB.com? Uh, I I thought I got it from Martine's article. Either way, he's. I'm looking at today's lineup. They got him at 172. Then, then, yeah. So it's like, what, what, yeah, what yeah. are you doing? Diaz is not in the lineup today. He is not. Uh, Tyler Wade's playing short. Yeah, batting 118. Uh, Tony Kemp hitting 500 over his last 12 at bats. He's hitting five straight. I, I I don't I don't want to go there, but the team hasn't won a game in the five. But I mean, you're 19 and 56. What are we ta- What are we talking about, right? Well, hey, positive. Let Mustias hitting well. Negative. I uh, gave it to you last night when you asked Brent Rooker over his last uh, 32 games now hitting 178 with 43 strikeouts. Uh, that's not good. Jim Bowden did an article today for um, the Athletic and talked about like the top 100 guys that we dealt. It was three A, three A's pitchers and one position player, and it was Brent Rooker. I didn't know Rooker's under control till twenty twenty seven. He's twenty eight. Yeah. What, what? Why would you trade for him? I mean, everybody knows what's going on. If we know the numbers, they know the number. Who are the three pitchers? Uh, it was Trevor May, Zach Jackson, who just got transferred to the sixty day injured yeah. list, so he's not. And then he had JP Sears in there, which was really interesting. Why not Blackburn? I know that's a, that's what I was looking for, and he had JP Sears. He said he's the only guy on the staff that has any respectable numbers. It was something along those lines because how well Sears has been lately in the four two four ERA. Well, for don't forget me. Dave Stewart said uh, the other day with me on NBC that what he loves about Sears, Dave Stewart said, pitches with guts, and I mean if I was a team. That, like, look, like, we were just talking about the Giants. Giants are going with a staff game today. If I needed a versatile pitcher with guts who can start, who can give me middle relief, he's not a, he's not a late-inning guy, but he's a front portion of the game guy, I guess we'd call him now. Um, I'd take J.P. Sears on my team. There's no question about it. J.P. Sears is tough. He's given up a lot of home runs. But he's given you a lot of innings. And I just don't see us trading J.P. Sears. Yeah, I, I don't Like, either. if you want to have any type of opportunity, uh, I mean, Paul Blackburn makes sense. 
because of his age and where he is. But right now, pitching is pitching's been fantastic for we I mean we've talked about it. The pitching the last thirteen games, fourteen games, has been fantastic for the A's. Blackbeard going today. You look at Blackburn, he's got a three point four eight ERA. Um I mean, he'd be the one I thought you could you could uh here, I'll give you the numbers. The A's have a two point nine zero ERA over the last thirteen games. They now have a three eight eight ERA in June which is the 10th lowest in the majors. I mean, folks, you got to realize, in May, the ERA was 5.54. In April, are you ready? Guess. April. Had to be over 10. It's overall staff. 8.83. (laughs) 7.97. Okay. So it's a dramatic improvement. Scott Emerson, get him on the phone. Well, yeah. So I I've been doing last fourteen because I did it with the start in Pittsburgh, and I know that the team, the staff gave up some runs. But over the last fourteen, three oh seven. That's the second best in the American League and third overall in baseball. Over what? over the last fourteen, the team overall ERA is three oh seven. Fourteen games. I know they're doing. They're going from the the starting up that started the winning streak. I started. With this series in Pittsburgh, so it's sort of that wrote the when the team started playing better. Well, it doesn't two point nine zero. Yeah, sound, sound better? better. Yes, I think we'll go with that. So that so pitching, I mean, if you're going to get rid of anybody, it would be Blackburn. Yes, I mean, I was looking. JP Sears isn't a free. I mean, you'd flip Caprellian if you could, but I think that's not. There's no way. JP's not eligible for arbitration until 2026. He's not a free agent until 2020, and that's six years. He'll be 33 when he's a free agent. Uh, you're just talking about survival the next couple of years and kind of finding a hot streak with the young players. Sears needs to be here. And I'm actually, you know what, quite, I'm, I'm quite happy with Caprellian right now. I think I broke down his, how well I mean, Caprellian has really started, uh, all right, he's finding himself, right? Like, we all need to find ourselves in life. Cody, you're still trying to find yourself in life. I'm 34. Yeah. yeah. So, Caprellian is a guy drafted, big-time arm, UCLA, first-round Yankees. You know, when he talks about going to the Yankees, there's some big-time names there. You know, when, he, when CC Sabathia takes, takes you under his wing, I mean something. But he's injured. And he's injured, and he's injured, and he's injured. Then he gets traded for Sonny Gray, and he continues to be injured. Then COVID hits. And then you're at the alternate site down at San Jose Muni here in our neck of the woods. And then you're getting your opportunity. And he started out, I thought, remember, his, his, his first few starts, especially that one in Boston where he pitched through mm-hmm. trouble and his dad's going nuts in the stands and it was awesome. You know, you're like, hey, we got something here. But just not been able to stay healthy, not be able to go deep in games as he holds the record for most starts, six innings or less as an Oakland athletic. I don't know. If that dates, if he holds also, if you go back to Philadelphia, but consecutive starts of six innings or less, he owns it. So I, in spring training, we've talked about it before. In spring training, we had a great, con- we had a real conversation with him. Gotten to know him over the years. We just had a real, where I, I said, this is it, man. This is your year. This is the year you feel healthy, you feel good. Because he told us he felt great at spring training. 
you know, he's he's corrected the issues with his body. He's ready to rock. And he come out, he came out and got hammered. Sent down, come back, hammered. Going to the bullpen, blah, blah. And his second time down there, he he found something, and I don't think it's in his right arm. I think it's here. And I think it's here. Because if you want to just go by data, fastball isn't the same. Slider's been really good. But I think at some point, like J.P. Sears pitching on guts, there's no data for pitching on guts. There's no data for heart. There's no data for will. There's no data for fight. There's data on a lot of different things, but how the human being goes out there and performs and attacks and what he's thinking. There's no data for that. So how is James Caprillion doing better throwing not as hard? How? How is that possible? The data would say he's in trouble, but no, he's figured out something. And if you watch him pitch lately, when he strikes guys out and he does the left turn and he's got that strut, he's feeling it. And he's striking guys out. He struck out uh, Schwarber with like a 91 or 92-mile-an-hour fastball. And I was like, wow, because that's nothing to Schwarber. But there's something that he's doing that people are not seeing him. He's striking guys out. He's throwing strikes. So I look at Waldachuk. Waldachuk is, I mean, you talk about all over the place. One minute he's in the bullpen, can't get anybody out. Next minute he's in the bullpen throwing three innings, closing a game out. I mean, yesterday the way he was going. It was the opener. <laughs> inning and two-thirds, the way he was throwing, I would have been cool if they just let him, left him out there. Medina? Medina's a big-time arm. He is a big-time, he has got a gift from God. And he's that wiry, athletic delivery. Medina, I'm not looking at the numbers. I think Medina can be special. Mason Miller ever stays healthy, which will always be a question mark. But at least you've seen what he potentially can do. So just naming you those guys. Am I missing anybody? Sears, Caprellian, Waldachuk, Medina, Miller. Who am I missing? Uh, the only guys that we still have left that are young, Kyle Muller. Kyle Muller, work in progress, big left-hander. There's the, potential. The rest of the guys we haven't seen yet. That Tarnock. Yeah. Who else are we thinking about? I mean, there's there's Cusick, there's Ginn. No, I'm talking about the guys we haven't seen yet. Ginn. Ginn's still hurt, right? Ginn's been hurt for years. Yeah, I think. And Hoagland's finally back, I think. That's the problem with hurt guys. Uh, they normally stay hurt guys. That's where it's like Blackburn. If there's anybody, I'm surprised by Bowden. If there's anybody you're going to flip, I would think it'd be Bowden. It would be um, Polly Blackburn. Polly Blackburn. We do. When are we doing kindly, McDaniel? Uh, he's supposed to be joining us shortly. Um, he has the the other two guests are going to be over the phone, but Kylie has the information uh, for okay. video. So coming up next, we're heading to the combine. Is there anything to sell from this thing? We'll talk about it right here on ASCast Live. 
This is Chris Townsend, and it is summertime. You want to look your best, and I can't tell you how excited I am. Commander Cody, we've got our new shipment from Link Soul, all the summer gear. So whether you're playing golf or you're going out for dinner, you're hanging out with your buddies, or you're going to the beach, go see our friends at LinkSoul.com. And right now they got a deal for 25% off. Check it out. You go to LinkSoul.com. Remember, in the big leagues, look good, play good. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, we got Kylie on from Arizona down there at the uh, MLB Combine. I got to watch a little bit on TV. It's not as exciting as the NFL Combine, but you're there. Uh, I got to tell you, it was awful television. How is it down there? It's going pretty well. I was actually just uh, sitting a suite with Enrique Bradfield Jr. from Vanderbilt that will go in the top half of the first round. Jessica Mendoza is here doing some of our interviews from the draft broadcast. Eric Long and Hagen, Michael Bauman from Fangraphs are here, some of the guys from Baseball America. Uh, there, there hasn't necessarily been a guy that was like a fifth-round prospect and became a first-round prospect. Generally, guys that will go in the top 50 picks are not participating on field here because they don't have much to gain. But there's a ton of guys that I thought would sign for 300K that I'm realizing are actually worth 700K. Or guys that I thought would go in the fifth round, that now like they'll go in like the third round. There's like a lot of, or like, you know, really firming up a guy that looks like he might go in the second round. Now it looks like he definitely will. That's kind of like the tier at which uh, the guys are participating. And it's not that different than the NFL combine where like the top quarterbacks don't really have a reason to yeah. throw. A lot of the like, you know, Wyatt Langford, Drew, uh, Dylan Cruz, those kinds of guys who are obviously in Omaha right now, they don't, have, they don't need to have anything to prove. They've been playing on these fields for like three years with like track band data and Hawkeye and everything. Like there's nothing to be gained from coming here, which is, is also an effect that happens in the NFL. So that's, that's kind of the weakness that they're trying to work around. But there's a lot of really good players here, especially in that like, 300k up to a million there's a ton of guys in that tier here so it makes it a lot easier to try to sort through them when i'm doing my rankings so we talked to david force our general manager about the combine and he says the number one thing is is to get that suite and be able to meet these guys and really talk to these guys because that's something in the past you know obviously football would do the nba would do baseball didn't do so would you see that as the number one strength of this combine yeah we get to see what these guys look like athletically but it's the fact that you get a half hour with each of these guys in your own suite where you really get to know them yes i was told there's at least 10 gms that have come through for these meetings uh because it's so useful you don't have to fly guys out and have private workouts to then be able to talk to them you can kind of run through a lot of them here there's been i think there's over 100 more players here this year than there were last year i was just talking to some of the guys at mlb and they said that they have been mindfully keeping track of how many interviews in a row the, the players are asked to do because there's a level of fatigue you don't quite get the best version of themselves so they've really tried to dial that in it's been sort of like you know it's like a three four day experience where a lot of the kids are here for two, two or three days to try to spread everything out because there's so much demand to talk to them and they don't want to get on a plane 30 times. So it doesn't make sense logistically to do that. So a lot of it's happening here and obviously ESPN, Fangraphs, uh, Baseball America, a lot of the other publications are also getting access to the players and getting to learn a little bit more because that used to be the weakness of what I do is I come from a scouting background with the team. I want to be able to sign off on a kid's makeup and say I really trust and believe in them the way yeah. a team does. And now we're getting a little more of an opportunity to do that. So I can kind of trust my rankings a little more than you could a couple years ago when I wasn't getting that kind of access. So, I, you know, I think about, yeah, your career, whether, what was it? You were Yankees, Orioles, Braves. Who else were you? And Pirates, yeah. So I Kudos mean, for getting three out of four. That's, I was going to ask you about your Orioles, by the way. They're uh, playing really good baseball. But from a standpoint, if you go back to your scouting days, 
How do you view the combine as a big positive? Yeah, it is super useful, like I said, for the tons of guys to be able to talk to them, get a feel for them. Rather than one or two of your scouts, your area scout and your regional scout will get to know them well. Yeah. You want your West Coast guy to meet some of the East Coast guys that you like in the third or fourth round. That's not You, you don't usually have the bandwidth to do that as a scouting organization. There's also a handful of dudes. Like there was a guy, uh, Gavin Adams. I, I knew the name. I knew he'd been throwing hard. Uh, there's a guy named Jake Madden that went in the fourth round last year to the Angels out of another junior college in Florida. Similar kind of player. And I know some teams were like on him. I um, and the process of getting to talk to him, getting some data of him on a mound, getting five or six scouts, some guys that haven't seen him before that are from other areas or other regions of your staff, getting to do that complete evaluation, a watered-down version of it. You want to have you know, 10, 12 looks in games and years of history and all that kind of stuff. But for a guy that hasn't been on data or you haven't had a meeting with yet or maybe was injured for part of the season or is a cold-weather high school player, for whatever reason you haven't done the full eval yet, you can do a sped up version of it for literally hundreds of players here. And so that allows a lot of guys, like I said, in that he's going to get 250K in the 13th round to now get 500K in the fourth round. Like you can make that jump and like dozens of guys could conceivably make that jump all at the same event for a couple of days. Well, uh, I can tell a lot of the kids listening, there's a big difference between 250K and 500K. <laughs> Especially for like going somewhere for three days. Like it, it's not like you have to go join a league and play for a month. Like it's not that heavy of a lift. Yeah, they put you in a sweet hotel in Arizona, and you just made an extra two hundred and fifty grand. I'd do that any day of the week. And you're on TV. It's a free trip, like you know, yeah. subsidized by MLB because they want to turn this into a TV event and an event for uh, clubs. And it's now an event. Like I'm sitting in a we ESPN has two suites here. Fangrass has their own suite. Like they're providing to try to make this more of an event to try to make incentivize everyone to come essentially. Because like I said, there's not incentives for guys in the top 50 picks to really be here. There's incentives for everyone else to be here. And so they want to try to build some momentum. And I think they're doing a good job building that momentum now that they've done that three or four years now. All right. The number one thing, because what we really know is the NFL combine because it's become so big and we, we, we see all the different skill drills that they do, but the big star at the combine is running the 40. And now we've had for years, the joke of rich Eisen running the 40. Uh, so if the 40-yard dash at the, NBL, at the NFL Combine is the star, what is the star drill at this Combine that tells you the most that you need to know? So they're basically every you know hour or two, there's a series, either a game or a series of guys throwing bullpens, that, depending on the level of effort they want to put in. But they throw the metrics, the track band metrics, on the board. So you'll see the velocity, the spin rate, vertical horizontal movement, all that stuff on the board for every pitch. Uh, in the same way, when guys are taking BP, you'll see a guy hit a home run, and I'll be like, oh, okay, that's, you know, 55-grade power. Do it from my scouting point of view. And then I'll look at the monitor from the suite that I'm in, and it'll say 106 off the bat, 32-degree loft. And you can, like, easily and objectively compare that to another guy because a lot of times we'll see guys that we think have good power. They're not hitting it that hard. They're just hitting it at just the right angle often, which is another skill that's important. But you'd like to know how much sort of raw juice is in there and so the ability to see, I would say, exit velo and velocity are probably the two big numbers, whether it's hitters or pitchers, where you can sort of check yourself in real time, which doesn't really exist. at Like when you're at an LSU game, they don't throw like the exit velo on the board immediately. Yeah. It was a little bit of a lag at least, and you're, here you're getting it immediately. No, that, that is awesome. I mean, when you're, when you're, from a scouting perspective and you're reporting back to a team, what, how tough is it when you have maybe two, three, or four guys? You may be like all four, but all four are very similar. 
yeah, that that's where the information you can gather here ends up being a tiebreaker because like I have been in conversations where you're in the 12th round, you have 250k to give to one player, you have four you know college righties yeah. that are all the same, will sign all that kind of thing, and if one of the guys you're not sure about him as a person because you turned him in late, you don't you don't have like history with him as a human being. Is he going to reflect well at this level of prospect? This guy has to be a plus makeup guy, or we don't want to sign him. That guy is the first guy to get cut. And then the second guy is like, oh, well, only the area scout has seen him. That supervisor that covers the entire region, four or five area scouts, if he hasn't seen him, then that guy gets cut next. And then eventually you'll get to, like, the R&D guy will be like, oh, well, we don't have any data on this guy. He didn't come to our private workout, and they don't have a track man unit at their field. Then that guy gets cut. And so you essentially, like, I've, I've experienced this selling a house before. You want to have an answer for every objection. You don't want to give people a reason to not make an offer. You want to give them everything they can have. And I think the agents now fully understand this. And so that's why you're seeing the first combine agents are like, why should I come? I can only lose money unless I'm a 10th, 15th rounder. And now they're like, Hey, I'm a fourth rounder, but I might be a third rounder. And just like being willing to like have a meeting, give the data, get on the field, be competitive. You can't really lose that much because you have an entire season of, of the evaluation, getting you to where you are. One bad outing is not going to think that whole thing, but one really good outing and giving more information could rise you up the board. Yeah, Kylie, I love your house. It's a beautiful house. I wish you had an extra bathroom. I like the front. I like the back. But you also got a problem with your roof. I'm a little worried. Yeah, and if Brian Cashman talked to him for 30 minutes, all of a sudden that roof doesn't become a problem because we, we talked to the roof. We got to know the roof, and it turns out it's okay. We had some concerns, but we, those, have, you know, those have dried up. We don't have those concerns anymore. All right, so S.A. Uri Ruiz, our guy in the big leagues right now, our center fielder, is leading baseball in stolen bases. Speed is back in vogue, baby. We want speed. We want athleticism. Look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. They got a bunch of young athletic guys. It's working there. So what are the drills? What are they doing with these guys to show athleticism and speed? Is there like a 100-yard dash or a 40-yard dash? What are we doing there? So the, the typical sort of baseball measure for this, this is one of the first things I learned when I was scouting, is there's two different ways to measure speed. There is uh, running to first base, which obviously, you know, righty, lefty have two different scales, mm -hmm. and you can measure is it a good jump or a bad jump sort of visually and make adjustments. Like, it's, it's a little fraught with some subjective information, but you can understand how you can see it now with StatCast, obviously, uh, objectively, that they'll measure it. But, you know, do it by hand. I was late. I was early, whatever. The other thing you do is when you're doing like sort of a showcase style workout where it's, you know, batting practice, infield, whatever, they run the 60 yard dash. And so there was also a number where basically 7 is an average time and each 10th of a lower you go to 6.9 would be at 55, one notch above average uh, and so on. And then like, you know, 6263 is basically like a guy that's the NFL wide receiver. It's an 80 runner. Um, so they'll be doing that, I believe, tomorrow, which I won't be here for that. Um, but they'll be doing the 60 and they'll be doing a number of other sports science based things like jumping on a force plate, putting a uh, sensor on the bat knob and taking some swings, uh, a bunch of advanced things that I would say the 10 to 12 quote progressive smartest teams tend to be really into that stuff because all 30 teams aren't on it yet. Don't quite understand it yet. And I know of like at least one team that like they look at a thousand frame per second video of the last thing a pitcher does before his front foot hits the ground, that little step over move. Uh, and they think that that perfectly predicts 
future velocity better than present velocity. Really? So when they can get somebody and they'll put like a force plate on the end of the mound and have them just do their delivery and the kids don't even know that like what they're measuring is how they're, how hard their foot hits the ground essentially predicts future velocity better because that is a proxy for like sort of the twitch in your body, your athleticism, your explosion in your hips, all of that sort of builds into that same thing. And places like Tread and Driveline have been measuring stuff like this with like the markerless motion capture, things like that. That's sort of the cutting edge. And MLB has been doing versions of this for teams that is data they all get to share for the last couple of years. I've been saying this for the longest time just because I know about it because my brother has been a, a pro in golf, a teaching pro. He's played professionally. My brother started t- My brother started testing on TrackMan in the early 90s at Titleist out at Car- Carlsbad in California. So it's like baseball has been so far behind golf. What you're talking about, the fast twitch, you're talking about being able to use the ground as leverage. It's like amazing, Kylie. All the stuff that we have now done in the last few years, they've been doing in golf since the 90s. Oh, yeah. Now, like, if you were, were to imagine, like, the histories of these two sports, Bryson DeChambeau and Josh Donaldson are essentially the same human being. They just play two different sports. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and that just led me to a lot of different things. I mean, I got to ask you the question about the owners' meetings where I know in football they want to keep everybody the same. They want everybody using the same technology. They want everybody having the same amount of everything. They want all 32 teams to compete the same way. Baseball, it's a wild, wild west with your analytics department. We know there's a lot of teams out there that pay for data, uh, pay for all their data, if not some of their data. Baseball wants to rein that in a lot like football has done. Do you like that or do you hate it? Uh, I am, I think, the strongest proponent for the uh, you know manifest destiny uh, capitalism of American uh, life where if I think I'm better than you, I want to be allowed to press that advantage as hard as I can, spend as much money to press that advantage as far as it can go. So the idea of we want to make everyone as equal as possible as a league and as an underperforming owner or executive or scout, I love that idea because you're basically subsidizing all the smart team stuff, giving it to me for free. And all the smart teams are continuing to try to look for places where they can stand out. I I have actually one example for you. When I worked for the Braves, I was doing a hybrid role of both scouting and uh, front office stuff. And what was happening is if a high school team played a game in a big league stadium, which you'll see a lot of times like the the state championships, things like that will happen in big league stadiums, that data would go to all 30 teams because the big league stadiums had TrackMan units and Hawkeye that were owned by MLB. (laughs) So essentially all 30 teams own, you know, in truest field. When we we worked there, all 30 teams would get that data. If they were to play the state championship game in the Braves AAA stadium, which at that point did not have Hawkeye, it was a Braves-owned TrackMan unit. We owned the data. And I would then email the Texas Rangers uh, guy that does the same thing I do, and I would trade for a college tournament worth of data that happened at their double-A stadium at the beginning of the year because Duke and Oregon State and Southern Miss all played it. We wanted data on some of their players, and they wanted to know about the Georgia State Championships played at our triple-A stadium. That now has been outlawed, and all of that stuff gets shared between the teams because the owners didn't like the asymmetry of the data and having to do the trading, much less other situations where you actually pay for data out of pocket, which they definitely don't want to be doing if they don't have to. So what you're saying is in baseball, you don't like socialism, you like capitalism. Yes, I'd like to think that's a that's a broadly uh, popular agenda for me to have as running for president of all of baseball. Okay, hey, and, and, and some of us may vote for you, I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> looking at the College World Series, I know a lot of these guys, the high round picks that are already there, some guys have already been knocked out. But how much stock do you put in to the College World Series, the regionals, the super regionals, when picking a guy? 
it is a very nice to have thing of a guy that you feel good about. Let's say like Wake Forest third baseman Brock Wilkin. I liked him in high school, loved him as a freshman at Wake Forest when he proved that he was better than I thought he was out of high school. Liked him last year as a guy hitting a bunch of home runs. And then this year, I think scouts, I wouldn't say soured, but they went from like, oh, this guy's going to go 10 to 20 overall in the draft to like maybe more like late first round to compensation round. Like he just sort of moved down one tier basically. And then late down the stretch and all this postseason stuff, he's been going bananas. And I think it's now worked his way back up to around, you know, 15 to 20 overall in the draft. He is benefiting by everyone seeing him do the thing they know he can do a little more often with the highest stakes against the best players while everyone's watching I don't think he's fundamentally a different player than he was a month ago, but he's being treated like he's a little bit different. You'd like to have that when your GM, your owner, your president, whichever tier of baseball ops isn't really watching the players, and then late they come into the room and have a couple thoughts. You want that guy to be performing so you don't have to explain why you like the guy. You want them to understand why you like the guy. It makes it easier for you to then take an unpopular guy, maybe a 5'8 right-handed pitcher later in the draft, because all the guys you took earlier, you didn't have to spend any political capital on those guys. I got just two more here, and one is about the A's picking number six. A lot of people like him taking this Kyle Teal kid, catcher out of Virginia. The only thing is, to us non-scout people, we're like, man, all we do is draft catchers. We've acquired catchers. Last time I, last time I checked, you can only play one catcher at a time. Uh, do you like the? What do you like for the A's at number six? And would that be crazy to go with another catcher? So there's two different scenarios. The, this draft, is, it's not a great year to be picking six because it's seen as a five-player draft. And so I would say it's an 80% chance those five players go in the first five picks, and then the A's get to pick the first player from the second cut. Um, if one of those five players gets through, doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter how much they want, just take them. It's easy. If that happens, like I said, you know, one in four, one in five shots, that one of those guys gets through, no problem. You take that guy. Now, the situation we're talking about is the more likely one where all five of those guys are off and you get to pick from everybody else. I think given the situation, college hitter is kind of what the board is giving you. I think that also probably makes sense for the A's to try to be building up to be good as soon as possible. They, all things considered, they'd like a college guy. They'd like the safety of a position player, and that's what you have. So I think Jacob Gonzalez, shortstop at Ole Miss, has a chance to be a solid average, above average, uh, left-hand hitting shortstop with a nice mix of he's at least average or better at every tool. I think he is maybe the most likely guy to go there. And Teal, I think, is the other guy that's gaining a bunch of momentum uh, to the point where he actually might sneak into the top five. That would be great news because then that would push one of those top five talents down to Oakland. But Teal is a guy that's an above average defender, long history. I liked him in high school, and he's made some adjustments. I don't love all the adjustments he's made to his swing, but his performance has gotten better, so you can't argue too much with it. But the idea would be solid average offensive contributor at catcher and then above average defender, good athlete, will age well. You can't play two catchers at the same time. But your job here is to get a player that will be good. Think of it like a stock that's going up. And if it turns out the stock goes up and him and Shay Langelier's stock both go up at the same time, either you're going to keep them both fresh and rotate them between catcher and DH and first base, or you're going to trade one of them. That's not a problem. you got to pick the right guy, pick the stock that's going up. That's what Oakland needs. All right, let's end on this. Uh, when you start thinking about, you, you, the, you know, you worked for the Orioles, you look at the success, they're off to their best start since 1997. You look at the Arizona Diamondbacks right now are leading the National League West. The A's, however you look at our situation, the way it's trending is that a new ballpark will open up in 2028. So that gives you ample time to kind of remake, reset, and prepare for this date. Who right now would you say in baseball is the model 
for rebuilding, starting from scratch, and building something that can win in the next few years? So the easy one, like the one Steve Cohen said when he bought the Mets, is the Dodgers, that they are sort of the gold standard team that is doing essentially everything at a top 10 level, if not top five, from player development to scouting to big leagues to analytics to understanding numbers, but also doing some gut feel stuff, some coaching stuff, you know, putting all that stuff together. I would say that's probably not realistic given the market size. They can do some things that most other teams can't do. And so if you step outside of the sort of Yankees and Dodgers doing things well and effectively at that very top of the payroll level, you then take a step down in terms of payroll, but still have the same level of efficiency, if not more. You have Tampa Bay Rays, Baltimore Orioles. I think getting a mix of those two things, which Tampa Bay is seemingly top 10 at everything without going whole hog into analytics and kind of losing the force for the trees like a lot of teams have done. They have mixed all these things really well. Their efficiency is essentially off the charts, that they are competitive in the playoff race every year for like the last couple of decades with all the same guys in the front office that have now spread out all around baseball. And I would say Baltimore is doing a savvier version of what Jeff Luna did in Houston with like a little more humanity mixed in because I think that was the weakness of that Jeff Luna approach where their strength is they have a very specific point of view of what kind of guys they want to take in the draft, primarily up the middle hitters with power. That's like the thing they look for until that is gone. And then they'll look for other stuff. And typically they get three or four rounds worth of that up the middle guys with power. And they have proven with Gunnar Henderson and some other guys that they know how to make that stock go up, how to pick that guy, shore up whatever the weakness is and make the most of the strength. They are really good at that. So having a specific point of view of the thing you're good at, whether it's employer development or scouting, and getting the other department on board to then push that advantage as much as you can and then hopefully get the level of efficiency that Tampa Bay has had. You don't have to go hire guys from those front offices to do it, but I think there is a way to sort of copy some of the things that they're doing well. And I think a lot of teams are trying to copy both Tampa Bay and Baltimore right now. So what you're saying is you need to treat the humans with a little bit of respect and dignity? Is what you're saying? That's that's what I'm saying. It turns out that's good business and also good, good human business. Hey, I got to tell you, there's not many guys that go from the front office scouting into the media and are great at it. You are fabulous, my friend. We love having you on. Keep doing a great job, and let's talk after the draft. Yep, and since it will be after the draft, look for us on ESPN. We'll be, we'll be doing the first two rounds on TV. Beautiful. Uh, so I'll, I'll be yapping like this about every pick. Well, f- find us a good pick at six, would you? I'd love to get you one of those top five guys. I'll see what I can do. I've been talking to some agents here. Maybe I'll pull some strings. That's great. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Be well. All right, have a good one. Kylie McDaniel from ESPN, who is a former front office guy turned media guy. Really good stuff. Did you hear that, Cody? It's the old expression. By the way, the expression I couldn't think of yesterday, a wolf in sheep's clothing. If you remember the conversations yesterday. Yes. A wolf in sheep's clothing. He used, you can't see the forest through the trees. So, yeah, you always use that. So Yes, I, th- I love that one because that, that is where people who just go, I have data, and this data says exactly what we need to do with every situation, and I can't look anywhere beyond this data. And this is all I'm going to do, and this is all. And you're like, dude, there, you, you've got to use everything. You just can't use numbers. You use a lot of numbers, yes. But if you just, I just look at the data and that's, you're not going to be successful. You're just not. 
And it's funny, like you 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 hear about D- Dusty Baker basically keeps a- analytics people in Houston at arm's length. But it's fine; it works great, right? You can have you gotta have, but you have to have the data. You have to, but you also have to have. When we're talking about Houston, we're talking about compassion, dig, showing some dignity and respect to people. That's about their employees. That's not about the players. I mean, you learn about how bad the environment. Can you imagine working in HR for the Astros during that time? I mean, that was a lawsuit nightmare everywhere you looked. Yeah. People could have been suing them. That is a PR, HR nightmare. So what are we doing? We're showing a little more respect for people. We're still going with a highly analytical, but yet we understand we got to take care of, of these players as humans, the good blend right now is the Baltimore Orioles. And by the way, they're off their best start since 1997. And that was when they won 98 games. It was the uh, first of not one, but two straight AL East titles. Remember when when the Orioles used to be good? That's Uh, what they're trending to be. With with Buck Showalter. Uh, They actually already played today. I think they ended up losing to Tampa. All right, coming up next. Hottest team, or maybe the most fun team, if not the hottest team, is the Cincinnati Reds. We got to talk about the Natty next, right here on A's Cast Live. It's summertime, and I can guarantee you, you probably need to redo your wardrobe. You want to look good, and you want to feel comfortable. This is Chris Townsend, and you got to go check out my friends at Link Soul. They've got all the finest fabrics. You're going to love the shirts, the polos, the shorts, you name it. Redo your look for summertime. Go to LinkSoul.com right now, and you can get an offer for 20% off. Remember, in the big leagues, to play good, you got to look good. Ace Cast Live continues from the studio. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, the Cincinnati Reds have already won today. The Reds have won 11 in a row. And by the way, how did Abbott do today? The starting Andrew Abbott. I think he gave up three runs. That's like the first three runs he's given up, I think, in, of his career, right? 17 and two-thirds scoreless innings. I'll give you $1,000 if you know who, as a starter, had the longest scoreless inning streak in baseball history. Oh, Bay, I think I say for the Reds. For the Reds, it has happened since like the 1890s or something. Uh, longest scoreless streak to start a career. Wasn't Brad Ziegler, was it? Didn't Ziegler have a lot? John Hiller. Oh, what was his? Uh, 26 innings. It's pretty good. You remember John Hiller from 1969, 1967? Yeah, no, I can't say I do. I mean, they got magical stuff going on. They're in first place. They're in first place. And we remember – and, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we saw them in Oakland. You're like, hey, man, they got something brewing here. We were talking to the Cowboy Jeff Brantley about it. And now you look up and you go, Cincinnati Reds right now got a game and a half lead where we are here midday on Wednesday. And uh, it's exciting stuff. And you kind of say for the A's, you know, look how young they're going. You got Joey Votto back, but they're going young and young's exciting. Uh, Do we have Mark? Mark, welcome to A's Cast Live. How are you? Doing okay. How are you? 
Well, uh, I'm jealous. You're covering a first-place team that's won 11 in a row. It's got to feel – It's got it's got to be a little bit more fun when you're writing and talking about this team. It's certainly gotten a lot more interesting just because the uh, the way they win, the way they play, and, and how they go about it. It's certainly – you know, after last season when they lost 100 games, you know, it just – no one could have expected this. You know what I'm saying? Uh, no doubt about it. You know, we've had years in Oakland where – you know, nobody even everybody predicted last place. The next, you know, you win the division. But I mean, I think about Cincinnati, where we were talking about how they haven't won 12 games in a row since 1957, and Frank Robinson was 21 years old. That's a long time, but that kind of tells you how good the streak is right now. It is, and another member of that team was David Bell's grandfather, Gus Bell, who was an all-star <laughs> outfielder for that team. So that that really, he, and he knows about that team just because. He's always listened to stories from his grandfather. They were very close when, when David was growing up. So he's he's familiar with that team. He's familiar with the team's history, certainly growing up in Cincinnati. And streaks like this certainly don't come around the corner very often. Obviously, Oakland had a movie made about one of their streaks. But uh, exactly. the Reds have not gotten to 20 before. But 12 is a, that's what the 57 team won, and that's what the Reds will be aiming for next against Atlanta on Friday. You know, when you have somebody that's making a little bit of dough, and they're somebody that, you know, has some street cred in the game and they're struggling and you just go, you know what, we're going to make the move because we're going to continue to go young. When someone like Will Myers is taken out of that clubhouse, what does it do for it from a positive standpoint saying, hey, love the guy. We know he's a great guy, but we got to go younger and we got to stay aggressive with the youth movement. Yeah, I wrote about that today. Uh it, it, it speaks volumes to the clubhouse. You talk to a player or two, and, and it's like they know they're young, they know they're hungry, and they know that they have to earn their way onto the roster, and they feel like with the way they've played, a lot of these players have done that. And it, the Reds of the past might have said, well, he's making $7.5 million. We're going we're gonna to ride him until we can any longer, or because he's a veteran and he's got a track record. We're not going to do that to a veteran. But they said, you know what? the best 26 players are already on this team. And, and Will Myers has been injured the last few weeks. He's not one of our better 26. So they moved on from him. And that does speak a lot to the clubhouse. It gives them a lot of confidence. And I think that shows uh, the way they've been playing. Well, I got to tell you, De La Cruz, uh, he just looks amazing. Six, five. I mean, the first time I saw him quit pitch and we saw the highlight, I was like, how tall is this kid? Because he's a beast. I mean, 6'5", runs like the wind. I mean, obviously, since he's come up, the team was won 13 to 15. You look at the numbers. But you've gotten to watch him every day. Is there a comp? Do you have anything that you've watched you say, this is what he looks like? Because the physical stature, the all-around talent, this kid just looks like off the charts. It really isn't. I mean, he gets compared to O'Neill Cruz from the Pirates. That's a more, you know, peer-to-peer kind of thing. Uh, sometimes Eric Davis comes to mind just because Eric Davis had a lot of the, the different tools and was a, a physical specimen, but he certainly wasn't 6'5". And then the power, you look at the exit velocity, and only really Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton match what, that, what, what De La Cruz does. So there's not wow. really a, a, a one-to-one comparison, but he's got all five tools, and he, and he does a lot of things really well and very naturally. It's funny because when they, when they signed him out of the Dominican, he was a scrawny, barely six foot tall guy and they got him for $65,000 and he had some tools, but they, they weren't sure exactly what they had. And as he's grown and, and developed, he's become this once in a generation prospect for the organization. 
Yeah, it, it's it, it, it's one of those type deals where you think about all the different great Reds players through all these years. I mean, you mentioned Eric the Red was so incredible. Barry Larkin, a Hall of Famer. We go back to the Big Red Machine. I mean, Joe Morgan, Oakland Zone. You throw Bench, uh, Hall of Famers. I mean, even throw in the great Pete Rose, who's from Cincinnati. Going back to Frank Robinson, I mean, Cincinnati, through all these years, has been one of the great base, baseball organizations that has had a lot of great players. But, I mean, this might be the next coming. If you start talking about all those great players, this kid at 21 years old, I mean, what's in front of him is just unreal. Yeah, he's still learning the league. He's still prone to striking out. Uh, but at the same time, he's not getting, like, embarrassed at the plate. He, even when he strikes out, he has a pretty good at bat. I think the only time I saw him go down on three pitches was against uh, Clayton Kershaw, so that's not exactly uh, embarrassing. You know, he's one of the best of all time. So uh, he, he just he can do a lot of things to you in any way. Like he can hit a ball 100 miles an hour, you know, with exit velocity for an infield single, or he can he can hit a blooper like he did today for a double. And he's just got that much speed. Is 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 zero to his his uh, sprint speed is like over 30 feet per second. He's, he's an elite runner and he's, he's able to do a lot of things in the field he's got he could throw 100 miles an hour if he needs to so it's just there's a lot of different things he can do to beat you and I know the GM has recently talked about potentially being buyers at the deadline yes. what would that be like for Cincinnati to be buyers now well they definitely have some needs and that's another kind of getting back to what you asked about Will Myers that would also send a good message to the clubhouse that they want to try to take advantage of this opportunity this was supposed to be a rebuilding year but they're, they're obviously in, in win mode now, and, and they want to keep the young guys together, but they also want to add some pieces. And there's no place that needs more help right now than their starting rotation. Their big three starters are all on the injured list. Uh, Ashcraft will be back this weekend, but Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo might be out for a little while, and, and they could use some help. They have one of the worst rotations in the league, and they're still doing this, which has been a testament to their offense and to their bullpen. So. Uh, they're going to be looking for some, some rotation help. They're going to be looking for some extra bullpen help. And uh, that will send another message to the clubhouse that this is a, a team that has a front office that has confidence in the team. Yeah, I know that was something that when the Reds were in town and we talked to Jeff Brantley about it, it was he was talking about he wasn't he wasn't thr- the old cowboy wasn't thrilled with how deep the starters go in games back then. Yeah, they, and they still aren't. There's a lot of uh, Andrew Abbott gave them some a uh, little bit of length today, six innings, but. Uh, they definitely have to find uh, more uh, more innings than that. They, they they really only average about four and a third to five innings per start, uh, all in, up and down the rotation. So they, they really are kind of patching it together right now. Abbott's been a great addition, but they, they need some of their the guys that they already have to, to go a little longer and save the bullpen. The bullpen has been well taxed, and eventually they do wear out. Uh, it, it does happen, and that's that's what they want to avoid. You know, Joey Votto's been a player that's seen a lot of rebuilding. So, you know, you wonder how will the veteran guy fit with the young guys? I I love Joey Votto. I think he's got one of the best personalities that we have in baseball. Obviously, I'm not in the clubhouse from afar. I would think he'd fit in great with the kids. Uh, But what are your thoughts about Joey Votto with this team? Yeah, there were a lot of questions about that as he was getting closer and closer to being activated. But the really Votto says it himself is that he's just trying to fit in. He, he kind of feels like he's entering a team that's already there or that he just got called up or almost like he got traded to the Reds, the team he's been with his entire career. Yeah. But he, uh, you know, he's just trying to fit in. He knows that if he doesn't play well, that he probably won't play. And he certainly wants to, to 
measure up to the rest of the guys. He's been a very good clubhouse presence. Even during his injury, he's really transformed himself into more of a leader and more outgoing. He was very kind of uh, insular, insular, excuse me, and didn't really, you know, lead with, with his voice. He led by example. And now he's really just come out of his shell more, and he's, he's more than happy to help a guy if he approaches him. And I think that that really does help. And he's really definitely bought into the, what they're doing right now. He's energized by it. And certainly at 39 years old and in the final year of his contract with the Reds, he's got an option for next year, but this might be his best chance to, to get back to the playoffs and, and maybe do something. The Reds have not won a playoff series since they've had Joey Votto. Let's end on this as this might be it for Joey Votto. If it is it, and he retires Cincinnati red, obviously probably a statue guy and everything. Do you think he's a baseball Hall of Famer? Definitely, yes. I think if he didn't play another game today, after today, he's still a Hall of Famer. Uh, you just look at what he's done in, in his era. There's not a lot of guys that have done what he's done, and there's certainly not a lot of guys that have done what he's done in this era after the age of 35. He was nearly an MVP in 2017. He had 36 homers in 21. Uh, certainly he had a really bad year last year. No no parsing that. The, the shoulder was, was barking. He had surgery. He's going to have a lot to come back from this season. The odds are not in his favor, but he had a great first game, and, and we'll see what happens. But, yes, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I got to tell you, that, that, that in-game interview he did, the Field of Dreams game, was one of the best I've ever seen. And you're like, why didn't he do this his entire career? He's got one of the great personalities that we have in baseball. Yeah, and, you know, when he was injured last season and missed the last uh, two months of the season, he was uh, regular on uh, Reds TV and Reds on radio. So he – He's, uh, he's definitely got some broadcast chops, which was interesting to see, and he seems like he's pretty natural at it. We appreciate the time. Uh, it, it's fun in Cincinnati right now. I haven't won 11 in a row in first place, so we'll see. Somebody's got to win the NL Central. We say about the AL Central also. So this is going to be a fun summer in Cincinnati, and uh, enjoy the ride, and let's talk later in the season. All right, take care, and thank you very much. Thank you, Mark Sheldon from MLB.com. That's what we do here at A's Cast. We cover the entire league. We cover everybody. That's what we do. And that's one of the best stories. I'm glad we uh, – was last night, the Commander Cody, great job. Last night I texted you saying, hey, let's get somebody from Cincinnati because we just saw them, or it seems like we just saw them. When were they here? Uh, end of April. And you saw they had a bunch of young pieces, and you're wondering, okay, you know. But they dump Will Myers. See you later, buddy. You're hitting a buck whatever he was hitting. You're out of here. And Joey Votto knows if he's going to stay here, because they could easily walk away from him for the rest of the year, he's got he's to fit in. Yeah, and, I mean, Votto came back at a home run in his first game back. and he's he's a, Two he, for three, I yeah. think. Yeah. He's a good leader to have for them. And it's crazy to hear about him being – Doing all this stuff now, so he's great on social media. If you want to follow someone on Instagram or Twitter, I don't use TikToks, but everyone says he's great on TikTok. Um, and his personality as a broadcaster is crazy because I believe earlier in his career he was like a guy that was like kind of like Granky, had the social anxiety and the depression. I believe like he was battling with that. I think that's what it was. I remember he wasn't as outgoing as he is now, which is great to see that he's got past that and he's becoming a great face for baseball, especially with the way he's been able to do a lot of interviews and handle himself even when he was injured. I mean. That, that interview they did, the Field of Dreams game, who did they play? Was it the Cubs they played? 
Yeah, yeah, yes. And he's at first base, and he was on, it was a long inning, so he was on for a long time, and there he was going through his career, and he was going through how he reads pitchers and how he aligns himself defensively, and he was cracking jokes. It was like, wow, where's this guy been for the last 15, 16 years? How many years he plays? He up to almost twenty now. Yeah, he's been in the league. Well, remember he, he what was it, the year that he got voted in. He was like the last guy to get voted into the All Star game. It was the year he won the MVP. Was that two thousand ten, when the Reds kind of kind of came back around? His first year in the big leagues was two thousand seven. Woo! He's but, been around a long time. Yeah, he won the MVP in two thousand ten. He got voted into the All Star game as like the last guy. Uh, that year, he hit three twenty four, thirty seven home runs, one hundred thirteen runs driven, and had a one thousand twenty four OPS. Joey Votto, he's had, a, he's had an outstanding career. Uh, I think he will get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. The debate will will be for some of us, did he walk his way into the Baseball Hall of Fame? War's almost at 65. That's the, a really good discussion, our starting point. He's not at that set. We we have determined here you hit 70. You're, and, you're, you're in. And you're, Well, there are guys that have hit 70 that are not, not in. in. That's a joke. That's a joke. You hit 70. You should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, so he's at sixty four point six. Like Lou Whitaker's at seventy. Yes, he should second be second base, longtime Tiger. He should be in. Two thousand ninety five hits, three hundred forty three home runs. He's still like forty behind Johnny Bench's record, Cincinnati Reds record. Career two ninety seven hitter. He's real light on the RBIs for a first baseman. Real yeah. Light. Oh, by the way, I know you've you've said here with your analytics buddies that uh, RBIs don't matter. Albert Pujols. Uh, all of his great statistics said he's most proud of his RBI. I saw that. Yeah. I mean. You can go tell. Well, when we see Albert at spring training, you can walk up and go, uh, Mr. Pujols, how you doing? Uh, Cody Elias, they call me Commander Cody. I think you're full of S-bombs. <laughs> and we'll see how that conversation goes. I, I've never been a guy on record that says I hate RBIs. I'm not. I know, like, Brian well, Kenny. I, and- I, I, I saw you wilt in front of Dave Stewart about wins recently. No, I stopped. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue with a guy that won a lot of games. Wilted. I set it up. I wish you guys – I wish I had cameras. So, uh, to take you behind the scenes, um, when you're doing A's TV, you get away from all the Giants people. That's just – I I, I can't sit around listening to these people. I can't. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't say all this, but it's just – I can't. I can't be around. I'm cordial. I like them all. You know, I just I just can't listen to them. I can't listen to them. Oh, my God. Especially now, now they won 10 straight. Oh, yeah. Luckily, I haven't been around that much for this winning streak. Hopefully, they lose. By, hopefully, they lose today before I got to go in tomorrow. Oh, boy. That would be brutal if not. So, we go up to a conference room and watch the game, whether it's Dave or Bip Roberts or Shooty Babbitt. We go into the conference room. I, I'm sure Brody goes up with them uh, most nights. And he just sat up there, and we talk, and I kind of goaded Cody into having to address Dave Stewart about wins for starting pitchers. Um, I put Cody in a very, very, very unwinnable situation, <laughs> and knowing that Dave Stewart was just going to crap on him, and uh, it was a lot of fun for me. It's like I start. It's like I started. I had I had like lighter fluid, and I'm like. I'm, so I set it all up, too, if you remember. I set it. I set this thing up, and you could just see Stu's eyes. So I'm doing the lighter fluid, and all I had to go was <laughs> poof and let it go and let Dave Stewart, like, oh, you think we, we you think we go to the playoffs if I don't win all those games? Oh, yeah, it was great. The, and I, Cody just sat there and went, 
we we had some good we had, we actually had some good conversations that we talked about. Uh, you immediately went to pitchers thrown in games. You wanted no part. You wanted no part of wins for starting pitchers, and you wilted. And then you went, well, you know, you know, hey, Stu, you threw 159 pitches in a game before. No, you- no, 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 no. He came close. It was like 150. Whatever. You switched it real quick, and then Stu started. Did I really? And then we yeah. went through a whole. We went through Stu's like entire game log of his career. Uh, don't don't forget the uh, is Zach Greinke a Hall of Famer debate. You 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 immediately went Peyton Manning Omaha. You knew you were in <laughs> trouble. You saw the blitz coming, and you went Omaha Omaha. You got out of that. You got out of that play quick. Uh, it was an unwinnable situation. I was like the '85 Bears, and I was bringing everybody. And you knew you were in trouble that you had to audible out of that play quickly. There was, like I said, a lot of things conversation. I mean, the Granky. Where was he on Granky as a Hall of Famer? Um, I think he remember because he asked me about Bob Welch, and he said if he's not in, he didn't think Granky was a going. Yeah, because he and Bobby Welch, I have come to find out, Bobby Welch and Stu were tight. That group was tight. Suppose I. <laughs> Just gonna let you in. Uh, Jose is not. I love Jose Canseco because when I was growing up. I loved Jose Canseco. How do you not love Jose Canseco? He had, a, he had an interesting tweet the other day about aliens and Bigfoot or something. Someone and said. happy Father's Day to everybody but, but A-Rod. <laughs> yeah, those are always funny. <laughs> I like Jose. And I've done stuff with Jose, so I can actually say I've, I've, hung, I've hung out a little bit with Jose. I like Jose. Jose, um, guys from that era aren't big fans of Jose. They're just not. But Bobby Welch. Bobby Welch, Cy Young Award winner, 27-game winner, if I'm correct, the year he won the Cy. And remember, Bob Welch did some historic stuff with the Dodgers early in his career in the postseason. Remember, striking – you probably don't remember. You weren't even alive. But when he struck out Reggie Jackson in the World Series, Dodgers, Yankees, that was a big deal. So Bob Welch is not in the Hall of Fame. But then he went, well, if you compare the wars, Grinky's well over 70. Strikeouts. Bob, Bob Welch. It was like, yeah, I think Welch was what, like. What, what is the war now for Gr- oh, Grinky's having a rough year here. Might be time to hang him up. But Grink. No, but, he no, he can't hang him up yet. He needs he needs 60 more strikeouts to get to 3,000. I want to say Grinky's like at 72 war or something like that. 77.2. 77. Come on, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, 224 wins, 2,940 strikeouts. Uh, but, hey, that's higher than Mucina, right? Uh, what was Mucina war? Uh, uh, Mucina was – 82.8. Okay. I, I, I stand corrected. He's you know, got you know, a way to go to catch old Mike Musina. The only thing he has over him is uh, more strikeouts and a, and a Cy Young. Because Musina never won the Cy Young. Musina's got 82.2. Yeah, and he, I mean, 82.8. Yeah. he was. That's probably one of the higher pitcher wars in the history of baseball. Yeah. And um, Musina was a pretty good pitcher as an Oriole and a Yankee. Um, Bob Welch had 211 wins and a 43.7 war. Only 1,969. Wasn't a big strike. Okay. Yeah, I don't think you can do old Bobby Welch with uh, with Zach Greinke. Now, if you want to compare postseason numbers and stuff, sure, I'm sure they're better than Greinke. Greinke hasn't really pitched a lot in the postseason. So. What was Welch? Uh, in the postseason. Because he started pitching the postseason like when he was 19 or whatever it was. Uh, and his career in the postseason, he's, he was – Go up. Yeah, he pitched at 21 years yeah. old for the Dodgers in the postseason. He was 3-3 three and three career in the postseason with a 4.56 ERA, but he pitched in 17 games. Granke, to pull that one up, uh, both, I have it open. Votto was having panic attacks and diagnosed as depressed way back early in his career. So that's what was going to – Granke in his postseason career, 
how many games has he thrown? Um, Granky's only pitched in. Actually, Granky's pitched in twenty-two games. He's six, four and six with a four fourteen ERA. Oh! I forgot all the Astro years. Oh! Well, he had Dodger years too. Yeah, Dodgers, uh, Arizona, and and Milwaukee. Remember when he was a Brewer? No. That's how they got Lorenzo Cain and all those guys in Milwaukee or in uh, he went Kansas from City. Where to where? He went from Kansas, Kansas City, City to, to Milwaukee. Milwaukee. God, I don't really remember him. Then I think he went from Milwaukee to L.A. Because he would Ana- f- Anaheim. He would have been a free wait, angel. He was an angel, yeah. When was he an angel? Zach Greinke was a Los Angeles angel. 2012. He went from Brewers to the Angels, and then he went to the Dodgers as a free agent. He didn't pitch that many games for the Angels. Uh, he only pitched in 13. Okay, I was about to say, I really don't know. 2012 was the age year, baby, tracking down the Texas Rangers. He was a Brewer then. He got traded from the Angels to the Brewers? No, the other way around, Brewers to the Angels. And then Angels to the Dodgers? I think he joined as – wasn't he a free agent with the Dodgers? I don't think he got – did he get traded there? I thought he was a free – well, he had to. If he only pitched 13 games, he'd get traded. Well, he could have been season. in a free agent year and then signed with the Dodgers. Uh, where's his – career transactions if you were like wondering yeah signed as, signed as a free agent but with the dodgers uh speaking of angels dodgers what were you supposed to ask me i'll ask you about otani have you heard of Shohei otani um he's that guy for the angels the other guy but plays behind mike trout right uh we've got the old freeway series going on in los angeles right now well actually in anaheim Shohei otani will be on the mound tonight and it looks like they're going to go with the opener for the Dodgers. Shohei Otani is the major league leader in wins above replacement. We were just talking about that. Uh, war at 4.7. He leads Major League Baseball with 24 home runs, 175 total bases, and 58 RBIs. Now he'll move into the top three in strikeouts on the mound tonight, potentially. He's six in MLB with a hundred and five this year. Did you know Shohei Otani has never faced the Dodgers? I saw that note in there. That's very interesting. Has never faced, uh, and what makes it so is that everybody, everybody believes that Shohei Otani will be a Dodger after this year. I believe the most. Like he's pitching against his next team tonight. He's showcasing. What he is tonight? Yeah, when they the athletic pulled, like I said, they did all the they pulled players on a bunch of different stuff, and they asked about where Otani would be next year. And like fifty six percent said the Dodgers. Makes sense. Now, could you? I don't know what his numbers. I I don't have it in front of me. His numbers of what they have been in the past, but if from a pitching standpoint, because to me. If we look at a lot of numbers from the past, I just want to do this one real quick. If if we look at a lot of numbers from the past, he was pretty sporadic, right? There was injuries. There was all this kind of stuff. But a number that I saw today that I went, wow, what was the one thing that – and I know one guy, and I loved him, so I know this. Roger Clemens, after his team had lost, was amazing. And that's what really – when you talk about someone like Clemens, Maddox, 300-game winners, Randy Johnson, Tom Glavin, all the recent guys that we saw win 300 games, is a lot of these guys had unbelievable records to stop losing streaks. 
it's unbelievable. Like, if you'd lost two in a row, three in a row, don't worry about it. You got Maddox on the mound. If you've lost two in a row, three in a row, don't worry. Clemens is on the mound. You're winning. It's win day. You're in it. Whatever issue you got, it ends today because that SOB's on the mound, and he's coming at you, right? Verlander's been that guy. Uh, I guess, I mean, God, he pitched well again last night. Kershaw. Uh, you would think of the great pitchers. I don't think that with Granky. <laughs> Granky might go into the Scott Rowland category. When Granky gets his plaque in Cooperstown, I may pass right by it to go to Tom Seaver. No offense. I think I say you're going to go right past it, go to Scott Rowland. <laughs> I may go right past Grinky to go look at some of the greats of all time. Maybe a Walter Johnson. Maybe throw a bone out to our friends in San Francisco, a Juan Marichal. I might just go right past and not even read Grinky's plaque. Yeah, put Grinky and Rowland in the same room together. That is not really fair to me to say, but I will say it. <laughs> There's certain guys I'm not reading their plaque. I'm going, eh. I watched them play. Great. No, I'm saying you could say I watched them play. I, I already know. His, I already know how. I already know whatever they're writing on there. I'm not yeah. that impressed by anyway. Otani, after an Angels loss this year, nine starts. This is what an ace does. Five and one with a 2.55 ERA. That's Angels have lost. And by the way. As much as I don't like him, Phil Nevin, 41 and 34 right now, the Halos. Halos are hanging in there. Halos usually have wilted by this point. Still early. Ooh, don't be hating on the Halos right now. Why, my wife's an Angels fan. I'm allowed to hate on them. They're in second place. For now. Well, they can only do do now. We're in now. I can't tell you what's going to happen July 15th. I can only live today. Where are they putting the parade out when they reach the postseason? Uh, it's going to go down Catella, <laughs> and it's going to go right around Disney Way. They're going to go back around Disney, and I don't even know what those back streets are. I just know Catella and Disney Way, and they'll that's what the parade route. How much you want to bet if they had another parade, Disney would be involved? Oh, for sure. I don't know how that worked because I know there's Catella and there's Disney Way. Isn't one of them Gene Autry Way, too? Gene Autry Way is on the other side of five where the big A is. Oh, that's one thing. Yeah. So I, I, the only reason why I know Catella as a kid growing up in Southern California, um, coming up from San Diego to Disneyland, before they redid all the construction for I-5, you used to just get off on Catella to get to Disneyland. You got off Catella, made a left, and you went back under uh, I-5, and that's how you got to Disneyland. Now – you have a Disneyland way that take you. You have a entrance that takes you right off the freeway and it brings you down to Disneyland. But Catella's still there, so Catella Disney Way circle back around Disneyland somehow to Gene Autry Way would be how they would have their parade route. I am not scheduling the parade route for the Angels just yet. Okay, I'm saying you got to give them their due at 41 and 34. They're winning right now, and the first thing my wife said is... And here's your guy, as you said yesterday, Anthony Rendon, left wrist, placed on the I.L. They're doing all this without Rendon. My, that's the first thing my wife said. She goes, we're playing well. And then she sends me, she goes, look, Rendon's hurt again. Here, I have the... There's a, here's a, there's a number about Rendon. Well, you haven't finished... I mean... Rendon's played a possible 143 games of a potential 398 since the start of 2021. It's arguably the biggest bust contract in the history of baseball. I don't disagree on that one. We're getting close. Strasburg was injury. That's a re-sign, too. This is, this is just 
Not good? Not good. Uh, five and one with a 2.55 ERA after an Angels, Angels loss. You got to give him credit. How about this? Otani is actually a better hitter on the day he pitches. This is why I like this guy, because he's a gamer. I used to not like Otani. <laughs> I like Otani now. When Otani was like, hey, I want to play for Team Japan. I don't care how you use me, I'm in. When we got a bunch of greedy-ass mercenaries in our game who all they care about is their contract and their money, Shohei Otani says, I don't care about money. When you think about it, he came over here for not a lot of money because he just wanted to compete. The guy wants to play. He's a badass. And I've turned on Shohei Otani. I love the guy now because he's not about money. He's going to break the bank, but money comes with success. That's his deal. He's not, his whole thing wasn't, how do I grab as much money as I possibly can? That's not how he has gone about it. He has gone about going, I want to play. And I want to prove to all these guys I'm the best in the world. And he always said, I can play more. He always wanted to play more. Your guy, Joe Madden, wouldn't allow him to do it. He has always wanted to play more. How about this? On days he pitches in 14 starts, He's hitting 396. Do you want to go to the A's lineup? Um, I don't have to. There's nobody in the lineup hitting anywhere near okay. that. Okay, we got nobody who plays both, and we don't have one guy hitting 300 in our lineup. Well, do we have a guy hitting 260? Yes. Rooker? Ruiz. Oh, oh Ruiz. He's, is he at 260 exactly? 264. He's hitting 396 with an OPS 1,182. Three dingers, 10 RBIs as a hitter pitcher on that day. On the day he pitches, he's almost hitting 400. That's what little leaguers do. That's what ballers do. This guy is awesome. And not at the standpoint like, we've never seen this before. We're going to cease. We're going to start seeing this. He's opened the door. Like, even now, we're starting to hear, hey, hear this guy at Vanderbilt. Or, hey, this guy at Wake Forest. Florida. Oh, all right. I'm Jack Tawney. Jack Tawney's his name. They're going to be out. Mark Kotze was that guy. They never gave him that opportunity. There's going to be more of these guys. But doesn't mean they're going to have the fight he has. What makes Shohei Otani special is the fact that he wants the fight. He's like a prize fighter that won't duck anybody. Heavyweight champ, bring it on. Muhammad Ali, you want me to fight Frazier? You want me to buy? Who do you want me to fight? I'll fight him out. You want to I'll knock Foreman's ass out. Who do you want to go? I'll fight anybody. Ken Norton, not the linebacker. <laughs> Ken Norton Sr. He fought, Ali fought everybody. That's what the heavyweight champ does. A real heavyweight champion will fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. That's Shohei Otani. I now like Shohei Otani, but not because of everybody else. I've I've never seen this before. Just because the guy wants to play and be the best. It's truly an athlete who wants to be the greatest. Doesn't shy away from it. He's not afraid of it. He didn't have to pitch in the World Baseball Classic. Are you kidding me? And how many guys are like, I'm, you know, I don't want to get hurt. He's already had Tommy John. He's he's in, he wants to play. Hey, you only live once, man. You live once in your life. Why not put it all on the line? And that's what Shohei Otani does. Now, I've said this before too, and I'll back this up. 
that the players of yesteryear, they didn't have Tommy John surgery. So when you got hurt, your career was done. One of the reasons that made Tommy that he's able to do what he does is because of modern technology. But the fact that Shohei Otani wants to be the best, and it's not about money. Hey, everybody else talks about money. You know who you've never heard talk about money? Otani. Otani. Shohei Otani has I, – I don't know if you heard – do you got anything for me that says what, what he's demanding, what he wants? All he wants to do is win. Because that's what people should understand in an industry with a lot of money. You do good work, the money will follow. I mean, if you're an actor or an actress, if you're a good actor or actress and you win the Academy Award, money's going to follow. Right? You'll, you'll get paid. You put up numbers, you will get paid. It's like the total opposite of Carlos Correa. Shohei Otani is the opposite of Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa is money, money, money. Show me the money. Johnny Menzel. He's just money, money. How am I getting paid? How am I getting paid? If I do this, I get paid. If I have, has, has Shohei Otani ever talked about, well, if I do this, I'm going to get paid? If I do that, I'll get paid? Carlos Correa did a whole thing on TBS about it. You found out what Carlos Correa was about. He was about getting paid. I mean, he's the only player in the history of baseball to sign two $300 million contracts in the same offseason. He signed with uh, 12% <laughs> of baseball in one offseason. Isn't that what it was, 12 yeah. or 13%? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you have to admire that. Shohei Otani, I've never heard once even – now, he doesn't talk a lot. He's never once addressed money. In a sport that all you got a bunch of greedy mercenaries, he's not that guy. So you've come around on Otani. You're a Votto guy now. You're on the Granky train. I have to be on the Granky. Grank, Granky's earned it. I can't. I don't love Granky. All right, what's, we got to find someone else. You can. We need to. That everyone likes that you don't like. I'll, I'll I I I wait a minute. I'm. I don't think Votto is the darling you're claiming he is. I don't think I'm out on an island when I go. Guy played his entire career basically at the Great American Ballpark. Bandbox. Oh, I've never said I think he's a. I mean, guy barely hits. I mean, you're not talking about 500. He didn't even come close to 400 home runs in that ballpark. He barely has a thousand RBIs. Yeah, I don't what, think because he walked a lot. I don't think he's a first. Does it ballot. matter how you get on base? Well, Albert Pujols said the number one thing about his career that he respects the most. Not what he respects. I got to look at the article, but he says, "Oh, what he's most proud of is his RBIs." Hank Aaron was most proud of his RBIs. Are you going to say Hank Aaron's full of it? Uh, no. Those are number what, one, two in baseball history, correct? If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, without doing a Google Just search. Just wanted to throw it out there. I mean, unless you want to dog pool holes again. I'm a pool holes guy. Well, he's most proud of his RBIs. I, I don't hate RBIs, though. I'm not in that camp with BK. You can't you can't kind of be analytics, and you, you're, the, you're, you're either in that group or you're not. I just don't think I don't think RBI. That's are, my problem. I'm kind of I go back and forth. I, I don't think RBIs are overvalued like some other like some people do. Got to score to win. Is that that's still you got to score to win? Yeah, right? you have to score runs to win games. Last time I checked, and um, that it would be interesting to have Brian Kinney on because analytics are kind of outdated. Really, all of our data that we talk about now is stuff that we're getting through science. Radar is science. Yeah, we're getting stuff. Hawkman, Hawkeye. Trackman, Rapsodos, all the stat cast, all the stat cast information is coming from radar. 
It's not coming from guys going, well, if I take your on-base percentage times by this, divided by that, by this, and then I'm going to run it by Bill James, and then we're going to – those days are over. All the data we're getting is from StatCast. And the numbers that that you're hearing BK and others use on, uh, for example, MLB Now – RA RA nine. Another thing we brought up this too about all the new modern analytics. <laughs> uh, yeah, RA nine and what's your uh, uh, what's the other one? R it was like RA RAA something. There's so many X woba. Like there's so many. Yeah, and and you talk to our coaches who are very very into the data. They have no idea what that means because all the stuff they're getting is from Statcast and what they're getting from you know the. They use high-definition cameras. Like Kylie McDaniel said, the plate that they're using where the pitchers, the way the pitchers left for a right-hander, mm-hmm. the way the left foot comes down is an indicator with pressure and how they land of whether their body is going to be able to torque and throw harder. That has no mathematical equation Bill James. Like, that kind of stuff's out. What's What was the spin rate, though? Spin I mean, rate is tracked by I know, what? I know. Stat cast. Yeah. So all the all the all the it's on an equation. All the different, you know, batting average balls put in play. That's just a math equation. Those things are out. There was a there was. Are we one, calling Bob Nightingale? A couple minutes. What time? Two forty-five. Two forty-five. All right, coming up next, Bob Nightingale did a full article on stuff going on in baseball. USA Today uh, issues on the south side of Chicago. Issues in Beantown for the first time in a long time. Issues with Dodgers pitching. We'll address it all next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend, and it is summertime. You want to look your best, and I can't tell you how excited I am. Commander Cody, we've got our new shipment from Link Soul, all the summer gear. So whether you're playing golf or you're going out for dinner, you're hanging out with your buddies, or you're going to the beach, go see our friends at LinkSoul.com. And right now they got a deal for 25% off. Check it out. You go to LinkSoul.com. Remember, in the big leagues, look good, play good. Streaming from the A's Road Studio, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. I'll call him in a second here. You just want me to groove to the tunes? I figured you liked this bed. Like this, like the, told you, I updated it. Some of our music, some of our stuff was outdated, so I wanted to give us some new beats, as the kids say. Uh, I'm sure there's more words for it. Um, I don't know. I'm not into uh, the lingo of what the younger generation uses now. That's not really my thing anymore. I, even though I am the resident young, young, oh, I guess not. You're more into things than I am because you have teenage daughters. So you know, more, you know more about it than I do. I'm, uh, I got Swifties in my house, Dua Lipa, you, ne- you name it. I, I'm up on it. Taylor Swift's here soon, y- right? Used to be, uh, it'll be going. Uh, used to be... Disney princesses, but things change. <laughs> Ariana Grande, you name it. I'm in the teenage girl world. There is no question about it. Do we have my friend Bob Nightingale on the line? Bob, how are you? I'm here, buddy. I got to tell you, when you put out an article, I absolutely I, – I love when you do one of those articles 
where you like go all the way around the league like you just did because there's so many things going on and it kind of gives you an idea of what's happening in baseball. The last one you did USA Today was fabulous. Yeah, thanks so much, buddy. No, I appreciate it. You know, obviously the owners meeting. What was the you know before we get into A stuff? What was the number one thing you took away from the owners meetings? Uh, maybe just maybe just the A's thing, and obviously there was no re- reason for uh, you know the commissioner to say what he did. You know, you don't rub it in their face. Uh, I, I think he takes that back. I think it was just you know it's like everybody's jumping on the uh, you know hey should the A's stay and the, the reverse boycott thing. So I think he kind of put his foot in his mouth a little bit. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing. It just I, I didn't think he would talk that long about uh, the A's. You know, I, I if I think about commissioners, I mean, Roger Goodell has done the same thing over the years. You know, some of these commissioners, as we know, they work for the owners, and that is their job. Uh, but they're not great public speakers compared to David Stern, who, God rest his soul, was an unbelievable commissioner, and he was fantastic with the NBA. But, but the thing about David Stern, that he was great with the media – so you could be a great commissioner and not be great with the media. No, absolutely. I mean, with the Rob Manford, I mean, he's making a ton of money for these owners. Yeah. Uh, with the uniform patches and everything they've got going on, uh, you know, moving the A's to Vegas, you know, kind of you know, ramrodding that through. Uh, you know, they love him because he makes a lot of money. The TV network, the TV things, adding Peacock and Apple and all that stuff. So you're absolutely right. Instead of you know naming the commissioner, it should be really the uh, the owner's boss. <laughs> so the you know we'll just do one thing on the A's because uh, we just we're, we're staying away from all the stuff that's away from the field. We're concentrating on the field. But the big question will be in the next few weeks is will the owners seventy five percent of them vote yes for relocation? Uh, covering the meetings, what did you come away with on that one? No, absolutely. That's a no-brainer. I mean, I'd be sh- I'd be shocked if it's not 100. percent So I think they'll get 30 or 30 votes because that's what you know. That's what baseball wants. That's what Rob Manfred wants. Uh, you know, it's not against the fans. It's just against you know they they spent 20 years of trying to get a new stadium, and the owners are tired of it. Like how many how many years are we can keep giving money to the A's? They're no closer to getting a stadium now, you know, than they were you know 20 years ago. Uh, you know. I, I think the San Francisco Giants should have let them move to San Jose. I, I think that was a big problem. I would love, you know, if they don't have a place to stay after 2024, I think the Giants should let them uh, share their complex. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure they won't at Oracle Park, but they should. Uh, there, there was certainly plenty of room for two two uh, two teams there. So, you know, it's not it's not the fans' fault, the MLB's fault. I just think, you know, whatever the uh, – the political part was, you know, that that's that was a problem. I mean, you got to play in a different ballpark. Uh, the Coliseum wasn't working. That thing got so run down, and players were complaining too. And the players' union said, "Hey, how much longer are we going to stay at this place?" Yeah, that's something that's you know that's been happening in baseball on a lot of different issues that you don't really hear much in the past, but. Players have been really speaking up, and the players' union has been going to bat for them. Uh, but the one thing from your article that uh, it wasn't a big part of the article, but it stands large to me. 
because we talked about it with you, actually, if you remember back at the winter meetings in San Diego, it's like Boston is not acting like Boston. I mean, they've got all this money. They've got the highest ticket prices. They're the Boston Red Sox. Hein Bloom has come in, and we've kind of joked he's, he's run a big market club like the Rays. You're hearing that between Cora, Bloom, things are not so copacetic in Boston. What are you hearing with the Red Sox? No, it's not like the Red Sox that we know them. You know, not, that, not they don't have the big names. Uh, you know, they got you know they're kind of fishing on the you know, <laughs> you know fishing on the bottom of the barrel there as far as grabbing guys. You know, you don't have to do that. You're the Red Sox, and they're acting like a small market team, almost the way Heim Bloom was in Tampa. You know, say, saying that I'm not saying it's Heim Bloom's fault; it's the ownership's fault. You know, the other ones can say, "Hey, yeah, let's spend some more money here," and they're not doing it. So I blame the owner more than Heim Bloom, but maybe not off Cora. He was, you know, he ended up being rehired by Bloom, but he wasn't the first choice. It was almost like, okay, we'll take him back. I think there was pressure to take him back. So I think he's used to yeah, having some more input here. Let's get things right. Uh, I don't think they're both going to be back in 2024. I really don't. That's interesting because Cora has been really kind of um, going up there in the wins. He's getting up there in wins pretty fast. It's been impressive. If you had to bet which one of them doesn't return, which guy would you say? I would say Bloom doesn't return, but if he doesn't, re- if he does return, then I think Cora may ask out and say, you know what? Let me go elsewhere. Let me be a uh, you know, free agent and join another team. So that, that's why I think. I just don't think that they're, they're both bad. You know, and I think David Stearns, if he doesn't show up in the Mets, he's going to show up with the Boston Red Sox. But I think there's going to be a, you know, a, a change somewhere there. I, you know, I, I don't, you know, even the other day, I think Cora, you know, said something about, hey, this is the roster I have. What are you expecting to do? And we'll give a slap at Bloom. Well, speaking of wanting out, we've heard the rumblings. You had it in your article. The Chicago White Sox. Things are not good on the south side. I mean, all you got to look, all you got, all you got to do is look at uh, their season and the White Sox at thirty-two and forty-three, uh, and a disappointment again. I mean, you got Kenny Williams has been there for years. Rick Hahn has been there for years. What is going on the south side? What's going on with the south side? And what do you do with all these players? Is it time to make trades? It is time to make trades. I mean, you can't live off 2005 forever. And that's what they're doing. And, uh, you know, I, I get so sick and tired of them, you know, kind of ripping uh, Trey Russa. So, okay, it's Tony's fault. You know, really? He's the only guy who's won division title, you know, since yeah. 2005 or 2006, whatever it was. You know, I th- you know, he should get in a second plaque in the Hall of Fame for doing that. So, yeah, at some point, those guys have to look at themselves in the mirror, saying, okay, you keep hiring different managers. You hired a first-year manager. They made a huge blunder by not hiring Bruce Bochy. I mean, Bochy's got the same team pretty much that everybody else had in Texas, uh, particularly DeGrom, you know, hardly pitching, and they're winning. So they should have hired, you know, on Bochy, and they refused to even interview him. You know, huge mistake. Well, I, yeah, and when you mention Bruce Bochy, and, you know, he's been good to us here on A's Cast Live in the past, and he, he, he's a great man. 
Uh, we don't like the Texas Rangers, as you know, but you have to be very happy for him because, you know, Bochy didn't want to get out of baseball. He wasn't ready to retire, and he's showing you the kind of baseball guy that he is and the kind of leader that he is. And I know you're good friends with Bruce Bochy. Just how happy are you for him and at least a good start for the Texas Rangers? Yeah, I think most of the baseball, the baseball veterans are thrilled for Bruce Bochy. But you're absolutely right. It's not like he wanted to leave uh, San Francisco. You saw the rain in the wall, like, okay, if I'm not wanted, I'm not going to stay here. Uh, it's a new regime here. It's not Brian Sabian. So, uh, no, he's such a he's such a great person. You know, forget the baseball part. Just such a great person that you're thrilled for him. You know, like you know, like a Dusty Baker type thing. Yeah, and Dusty Baker, obviously, that was fantastic for him when the World Series last year. But they're dealing with a lot of injuries. They're dealing with loss of players. What's your take right now in the first half of the Houston Astros? I'll tell you what, they've had so many, so many injuries. Uh, it's unbelievable how many injuries they've had. So they're staying in the hunt. So bad for Dusty, missing that three-pitch rotation. You know, miss Altuve for two months. Brantley still hasn't returned. You know, Jordan Alvarez, you know, the big stud. You know, he's not coming back till the end of July. So, you know, kudos to Dusty for keeping that team in the race like they are. But it's been it's been tough, tough sledding here. You know, and you mentioned, too, that the Los Angeles Dodgers, I hadn't thought about it, but, man, the Dodgers pitching has pretty much always been good. I mean, that you know, before the juice ball and the juice players, Bob, back in the day, we used to talk about Dodger Stadium was a great pitcher's ballpark. Well, one of the reasons why is they've always had great pitching. Well, for the first time looking up here and you see the Dodgers in third place right now, four games behind the Diamondbacks, they've got major problems with their pitching. Yeah, they really do. They, they, you know, Urias is out for so long. I think they thought they'd be short. It's not. I mean, I mean, Kershaw is pitching like Kershaw. Yeah. He may be the all-star starter again. Uh, it's amazing what he's doing, keeping that team afloat. And, you know, for a while, uh, they're bringing it back. Is he retiring? You know, that sort of thing. But, yeah, and the thing about the Dodgers is, you know, they, they still got so many top prospects. You know, they have when the kids from double-A uh, start the other night for them. But, you know, scouts that go to the double-A team and with the single-A team a year ago say those five starters are all going to be front-line starters. It's amazing what they do developing players. It really is. It, it, I mean, they are one of the model franchises. There's, there's no question. I mean, I, it helps to have all that money, but what they've been able to do down there and Andrew Friedman and to continue to win and to continue to bring guys up are so it, – it's so impressive. Uh, when you think of Bob Melvin and the the San Diego Padres, they continue to be under 500. When you think of Buck Showalter and the New York Mets continue to be under 500, the financial commitments by these two franchises, obviously it's a major, major di disappointment. What are you hearing about the Mets and what are you hearing about the Padres? Well, I feel uh, bad for Bob Melvin. It's just, you know, uh, you know, the team he has is thrown out there, but just – What's the assemble good? It's so top heavy. When you got eleven all stars and just drops off. And your top four, top five hitters are, you know, absolute studs. Then drops off, they don't have that depth. Uh, you know, I know he's frustrated too. Uh I think if the Padres don't make the playoffs, it'll be the uh you know, the biggest disappointment, the biggest under cheating team in baseball history. I really do. Uh you know, the Mets obviously have a uh 
that their payroll is the largest in baseball history. But I think the Padres would be a bigger disappointment. Yeah, and, and I and I kind of worry because I know the relationship between A.J. Preller and Bob Melvin isn't great. I kind of worry about the future of Bob Melvin down there. Well, I mean, he, I mean, he's such a great manager. You know, he's you know doing what he has. I mean, it's a construction of the roster. Uh, so yeah, I, I I hate I hate to see this happening to him because I I think he's got a chance to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, if they uh, you know can get to a World Series, you know, win a World Series one day, you know, as you know, just a, a, a fabulous human being. But man, they're underachieving. There's no way in the world this team should be under 500. And if people are picking this team to win the World Series, they may not make the playoffs. I, you know, you know, Bob, we spend so much time, especially like down at the winter meetings, talking about money, talking about free agency, talking about money spent. And I know that's what our sport is built on. I think it's kind of tired because when you look up, all of a sudden I see Tampa in first place in the AL East. I see the Cincinnati Reds in first place in the NL Central. And I see the Arizona Diamondbacks in first place in the National League West. It just goes to show spending the most money and winning the win, winning the winter meetings and, and, and spending the most in the winter doesn't mean anything. I mean, just talk about what we're seeing in Cincinnati and Tampa and Arizona. They're great stories for our game. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, how many times, do, you know, these teams win the winter and they're a bust in the summer. And, you know, now the Padres are doing that. It's like, okay, you know, everybody's saying, oh, look, you know, look what they've done, spend the money. Uh, they're going to the World Series and absolute bust. I can't remember the last time now a team won the winter and still won the summer. It just doesn't happen. You know, kudos to uh, you know all those teams. You know, kudos to Tampa Bay Rays for doing it year after year after year in the AL East. You know, it's one thing that, you know, like the Reds be the NL West. I mean, NL Central. Uh, you know, the Diamondbacks. You know, they're playing well. Uh, I don't. You know, I don't know how long they can sustain that. But for the Tampa Bay Rays to do that, I think they're the best team in baseball. Uh, is mind-boggling. It just shows, you know, they're outsmarting everybody. And, I, I mean, I, I got to throw in the Marlins. That's a great story. And also a classic. I mean, we grew up with, Bob, the Oriole way. The Orioles are one of the great franchises. They had great battles against the A's back in the day. And here they are in second place. They've actually done real well against Tampa. They're playing against them right now in a series. I just talk about the rebirth of the Baltimore Orioles. It's so great to see. I mean, their general manager was a uh, you know former assistant general manager of Houston, and they're taking that whole blueprint. Saying, okay, you know, they must average like 110 losses a year for about three straight years there, and uh, and now they're winning. I think if anybody can topple Tampa for the uh, AL East, I think they're the only team that's got a chance to do so. I think they're that good. Uh, but yeah, and they got I think they have the second smallest payroll in baseball. So they can make some moves to the deadline. They can certainly pick up some free agents. But, you know, it was a painful process, but it, it's working out where, you know, when you mentioned the White Sox, what the window was open for about a year and a half. You know, I think Orioles' window's been open for quite a while. And that's the way to – if you want to rebuild, that's the way to do it. If, you know, same with the Reds. I know they made the playoffs in 2020, the COVID year. But, man, what a, what a quick rebuild they have. All right, let's end on this. I want you to look into your crystal ball. There's a lot more buyers than sellers 
on the market. We got about a little over a month ago. Are you hearing anything, a big name that we're not thinking about that potentially could get moved at the deadline? I'm not sure there's a you know, name that we're not thinking about, but I, I think you know a lot of teams are looking at, okay, the uh, Chicago Cubs, hoping they fall in the race because he's got uh, – Marcus Stroman has an opt-out. And, you know, if they're on the race, you might as well move him. And, you know, he's, he could be a difference maker. Uh, I think teams are rooting against the Chicago White Sox and St. Louis Cardinals. If you get a Jack Flaherty, a Lance Lynn uh, in that bullpen, a Joe Kelly, uh, Kendall Grayman, you know, that'd be fabulous. Uh, and then, you know, St. Louis, you know, if you get a, uh, a Montgomery there, a Jack Flaherty, a Jordan Hicks in the bullpen, and some of those guys. So I think if those teams are on the race, you know, it could be a spicy trade deadline. If those teams are still in the race, I think we could have the dullest trade deadline in a decade. Could could a guy like Paul Goldschmidt get moved? No, I've seen rumors of that. I, I don't think there's any, any way in the world. Uh, same there or not. Just, you know, too big of names, too big of icons. You know, it's like, no, I, I do not see that. I'd be absolutely shocked. Uh, you know, those guys. And they'd love to see Paul Goldsmith go in the Hall of Fame wearing a Cardinal uniform, same with Nolan Arenado. So, no, I I think they're as safe as, uh, you know, like Otani is. You can't trade those guys. You really can't. Well, still the best sports page there is, USA Today, and I still get Sports Weekly, so I get all my Bob Nightingale articles. I'm always supporting, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the program, and we'll talk soon. All right, look forward to it. Thanks so much, buddy. Bob Nightingale from the USA Today. Yeah, I I sent Cody the uh, article, and it's an article that's got a ton of stuff in it. I mean, it's got that's where I got the pool hole stuff. Uh, I love when he does those because not a lot of guys do that anymore. Bob is old school, and, of course, it ruffles feathers, and people don't like it, and they don't like certain things and opinions and things that are said and what he's hearing. But it's like a grab bag of topics that are going around in Major League Baseball. Peter Gammons was famous for it on Sundays. He did his notes around Major League Baseball. Everybody looked forward to it, and it was in a, it was in the Sunday Boston Globe, and that's back in the day when we were all going to sportspages.com. Remember that website? No, I don't. God, you. I'm have, you ever, have you ever been in this business? Uh, well, the Internet's always been around since I've been in the biz. Sportspages.com. See if it's still even around. I don't even heard of it. Yeah, it had all the different links to all the different. No, nah, it's gone. So basically what it was, it's now sports, sports books, programs. So back in the day, you would go to this website, and it had every single newspaper around the country. Um, it had by region. So you could see New York Times, New York Post, Boston Globe, you know, and, and you'd click on it, and it would go right to their sports pages. Well, back then, you didn't have to pay to read what they were putting on their pages. So out here, it would be Chronicle, Merck. Oakland Tribune, CC Times, Santa, uh, Santa Rosa Press Democrat. You could get all the Bay Area papers, and you'd click the link, and the, and the link would go straight to um, their sports page. Jessica Kleinsmith says to me, we'll talk Tony Kemp. I'm just getting a – and I'm going to ruffle her feathers a little bit. We have a comment about But, yeah, that's and, – and Peter Gammons – would do his Sunday notes 
and it was gold. I'm telling you, I, 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 Billy Bean used to read them. I can tell you, everybody in the game read them. So when you have an old-school columnist do that, I love that because you go around the game. Because, yeah, we've been interested in Bloom. Like, how is it? This is not working. This is the Boston Red Sox premier franchise in American sports. And you're running it like the Rays, the Kansas City Royals. Like, what are you doing? I mean, it's so pathetic now. You have people trying to defend it by going, well, if they played in the Central, well, you don't play in the Central. You're one of the bees from the East. Act like it. It's crazy because the Fenway group that owns them, they also own the Pittsburgh Penguins. They own an international – I forget what soccer team they own. But they own a lot. They they make money. Don't do you, worry. Do you know what the rumors is on that? N- no. The rumor is that they've turned into this conglomerate where they own all these teams where – so what happens is, folks, and this is this – is, I'm, not, I'm not breaking any news to you, but when you start dealing with ownership groups – when you start saying, okay, I heard a Oakland city council member bring up this point. You can research it. I'm just going to tell you, I heard it from his mouth when talking about the Warriors, how the Warriors didn't want anything to do with Oakland. It's just fact. They want nothing to do with Oakland. They were moving to San Francisco. They first tried at the one part on the water, uh, on the wharf, where Larry Ellison couldn't make it work for the America's Cup, and then they chose the other spot where they are now. But they were not dealing with Oakland. And one of the Oakland City Council members said, people need to realize that they have quite a few investors, the Warriors do, who are from where? Um, Oh, Southern California. They got a lot of Southern California investors in their ownership group. And what happens is they don't care about certain things. Well, what about the city? And what about this? And what about that? And what about... Why would Southern California people care about Oakland? I know Joe Lacob's name's been thrown out a lot lately. But the reality is Peter Goober and all of his guys are in Southern California. They care about money. So the reason why I bring that up is you now have... Sports has become such big business that you were used to back in the day one person owning the team and one person made all the decisions. Now you have a lot of groups who own teams. It's big business. And this guy's invested millions and that guy's invested millions and that guy's invested. You've got all these people who've invested who are part of this group. You'll have a managing general partner a person that goes to the owners' meetings, a person that gets out in front, a Larry Bear type, right? You'll have that guy that'll be out there that represents the face of the ownership group, but you have a full-on group. You've never hear, you know, we talk about, people in the media talk about John Fisher never talks, Charles Johnson for the Giants never talks. I mean, there's a lot of owners that never talk. You have a managing general partner guy who usually is out in front, right? So, Reality is these investors, basically, who own these teams, would they like to win? Yeah. Sure. But what do they like more? Money. Money. 
And when you're making money, you want your team to do everything they possibly can to win. You want everything. I mean, they should do everything they can. The ring, the ring, the ring, the parade, the ring, the parade, right? These guys who are the investors, who are underneath the Joe Lacobs of the world, they want money. And they like the international deals. They like the TV money. They like all the money that comes in from the merchandise. And this doesn't matter what sport. This is NBA, Major League Baseball, hockey, NFL. We sell you wins and losses. That's what we sell you, right? That, that, that's what all of us do. That's how we promote to you the fans. We don't go behind the scenes and talk about, well, who owns what team and what do they really care about? Well, the rumors are around the Boston Red Sox that they are this group that's printing money right now. And if the group's printing money, they don't care that they're in last place, but they're 39 and 35. What do you care? You invested millions. You're getting millions back. It's corporate America. Corporate America, that's what they care about. Where your, where's your stocks? Are you making money? Right? Shareholders, are you making money? That's what they care about. It's a tough conversation to have, but it is it is a reality. So the Boston Red Sox, as you said, they own now own a lot of stuff. Remember, like when the Glazers own Manchester United and the Buccaneers, they are you making money? Oh, you are? Well, they consider that a success. But you're a Boston fan. I'm a longtime Bostonian. It's all about this. And we, uh, you, you know, you're angry, but it's like the, you, got, you got these unknown investors who are making a ton of money going, I don't care. They're not living and dying with every pitch. And that's just modern day professional sports. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what I can't wait. <clears throat> I wish someone would explain that to people in Pittsburgh when they talk about the Penguins. Because everyone's like, oh, they, we should win the cup every year. Well, they're making money. So. They're making money. <laughs> They're making money. I think LeBron's part of that ownership group, too, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that, you know, you, who was the biggest flop great player turned I want to be part owner and be the face of the franchise, and it was a total flop because now he learned, uh-oh, this is harder than you think. You mean the guy that just sold his team, Michael Jordan? Derek Jeter. Oh, I was saying, well, I was saying Jordan just sold his He's trying to get out of being the owner of the uh, oh, yeah. Hornets. But it's brilliant. Michael Jordan bought him for nothing, yeah. and he's going to sell him for over $2 billion. I thought I heard three. We bought him for like two hundred and seventy-five million or something. Jordan's made like almost two billion dollars from Nike. This sale of this franchise will be over that. Yeah, will be over that. He bought him for pennies on the dollar. It's a great example. Nobody criticizes MJ because everybody loves MJ. How many MJ's like God, right? MJ can do no wrong. No matter what, MJ can do no wrong. Nobody has the guts to go out there and criticize him. He has been. Laughable as an owner. How many playoff series did they win? Zero. Zero. They only made He's it like three times. Laughable as an owner. Michael Jordan has literally, like, you could go, okay, let's really break down what makes a horrible owner. And for sports fans, that would be winning and losing. Michael Jordan is one of the worst professional sports owners of all time. Tragic mess. Who goes after him? Who goes after him? Like attacks Who? him? Who goes out? Who's been going out? Who's been coming down? Oh, no one. MJ? Nobody. And now he's going to cash out. He's going to cash out. And you know what? I don't hate him for it. God bless you, MJ. MJ picked up a team for nothing, 
and then he's going to flip it for $3 billion. Good for him. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And the fact that nobody has the guts to challenge him, good for him. I'm not hating on MJ. Go get him, MJ. Hey, remember when MJ was making making all that money on shoes and people wanted him to be a political person? MJ has one of the greatest lines ever. Republicans buy shoes, too. He the stayed, shoes are sneakers. I think it's sneakers. Whatever. Yeah. So, but he stayed out. He stayed out. People tried to lure him in. Nope, nope. He waited till he got his money later on, has donated money, has now come out and talked. But he was smart. MJ has been brilliant in business. And people are always worried about his salary with the Bulls. You remember that? Yeah. Well, MJ's not making any money. These other guys. Don't worry. MJ's going to get paid because MJ was smart. Well, it still is smart. There was one thing I heard that the reason why uh, MJ never paid any of his own players because he always felt slighted that he was never paid well. No, because MJ was going to flip it for billions. He he didn't care. MJ plays golf every day. You think he was really grinding the basketball <laughs> lifestyle? He is an addict. And I'm not saying that from a standpoint of addict and drugs, but he is an addict. Anything that you, you hear about what he does, he does it like he plays 36 holes of golf every day. He smokes cigars all day long. He Like everything you hear, it's it's that of an addict, right? It's just his – luckily his thing is not hardcore narcotics. Um, but he's – what? He, you think he was grinding the basketball lifestyle? He plays 30 – he tells you. It's, what's that? Uh, that c- no, the um, cigar – magazine aficionado or whatever it is i don't know the cigar magazine he told them he plays 36 holes he lives on jack Knight at the bear club he plays like every day he's addicted to golf plays every day you think he's grinding the draft you think he's grinding free agency mj's not and now he's gonna flip his team for three billion dollars wow what'd he pay for i thought he only bought him for like 275 million uh, you pay two hundred and seventy-five million and flip something for three billion. Mm. Jordan pays about in uh, two thousand ten. He paid about one hundred eighty million dollars to take majority ownership of the Bobcats. So he basically paid what Fisher paid for the A's. The team he bought in two thousand ten for about two hundred seventy-five million. He what? It says right here, Michael Jordan plans to keep a minority stake in the Hornets. The team he bought in two thousand ten for two hundred seventy-five. What was million. the one eighty? That's just um, Jordan pays about 180 to take majority ownership of the Bobcats. It gives them about 65% of the team's equity. But the M- NBA.com saying 275. All right, wh- wh- whatever he paid for it, he's flipping it and he's making a ton of cash. CNBC, uh, CNBC is also saying 275. So he he didn't care. Yeah, well, we'll see if Charlotte does anything with the new owner. Not that anyone cares about the Bobcats. Care. So Bob pro- Hornets, not the so probably Michael Jordan, a basketball player, is probably going to walk out of this with the wealth of over five billion dollars. If you count his, and he's still making all the money with Nike, but I whatever I saw, he's made like one point eight or one point nine billion off Nike. You now throw in this. I mean, when it's all said and done, Michael Jordan's going to be walking out of basketball uh, as a businessman with five billion dollars. Not bad. How, how many playoffs did he win? Uh, he won six titles. No, no, no. Oh, oh, as a player. As an owner, none. Yeah, none. And no one came down his road. 
How about that? Look how we go. Look how we go after everybody else, but we wouldn't go after him. Certain people will go after, but we won't go after him. I am with you, MJ. Good for you. I mean, do you know that Nike sells the multiple versions of Jordan golf shoes? I had no idea. It's it's un it's un. I mean, the guy hasn't played in years, and you still have the the Michael Jordan. You see it on football jerseys, basketball jerseys, baseball jerseys. It's it's amazing. They have a whole golf line around Michael Jordan. They just made a movie about him. Nike's not even a golf company. They stopped doing golf. They don't make clubs. They don't make balls. But they still make shoot. They make Nike shoes. Uh, Nike. Uh, you see it on the golfers. You see the clothing. But they got a whole thing for Jordan. Golf gloves, golf shoes, golf uh, shirts. Unbelievable. Good for you, MJ. I, when, when are we done? A couple more minutes. About three. There's some things I didn't get to today. I know. We didn't get a chance to play the game we were going to do. We'll have to save that. Okay. It's an everyday thing. It's like Wordle, but for baseball is what it is. It's with the concept. There's a new grid every day. It's like the concept of Wordle. There's a new word every day. It's the same thing. Okay. I get that. But this is more like a uh, – your game is more a game of, hey, do you remember when? Kind of, yes. Or just baseball knowledge, I guess. No, it's just knowing – Players. Players' teams. Yeah. And seasons. Yeah. It's not – a wordle is you're guessing a word every day. Yeah. It's like the concept of a, a new thing each day. I mean, it's not like – it's not like, okay – do I know how good this guy is? You're just it, – it's – you can show him. You want to yeah. show him? Yeah, I'll share the screen. So, basically, it's a game of you got to know where players play. Yeah, so let me – So, I wouldn't necessarily say we'd be testing people's knowledge of the game. You're just guessing where people played. So, like, here you go. Name an Oriole closer that had 40-plus saves in a year. Uh, Jim Johnson. That's exactly who I was thinking. Let's see. Jim – you type in Jim Johnson – you get nine guesses because there's nine blocks. Jim Johnson's correct. So there you go. Now, I wouldn't say that's great baseball knowledge. 17% okay. of people have guessed Jim Johnson. Okay. How did you know that? It says right there. Well, I know it's about how where'd you come up with that equation? Who, who's oh, no, doing it's just this? The, the, I think the app's doing it. Oh, so this is off an app. Okay. It's a website. It's called Immaculate Grid. ImmaculateGrid.com, and it's a new one each day. Okay, so I'll do it right now. Pirates closer, 40 saves. I'll say. The great Mike Williams from when I was a kid. Where's my man, Kent Colby? No, I know he never did it. Look, see Mike Williams. 2% of people guess. That probably, a lot of people are probably going with uh, Mark Melanson. Can Mark you Melanson ever have 40 for the uh, Pirates? Yeah. Can you name a Mariners closer? They've had a, quite a few. Yeah. Uh, Suzuki. They can try it. I don't know if he can. Uh, or was it Sasaki? Wasn't it Kaz? Sasaki or Suzuki. Uh, let's see. It was right around Ichiro's time. I would say he is. There he is. Kazuhiro Sasaki. Yeah. There you go. Boom. I'm two for two. The other guy I was thinking was Edwin Jacks or Edwin Diaz. We got Norm Charlton. Uh, okay. So, the, and then the concept of this is name a guy to play for both the Orioles and, and the Cubs. Orioles and Cubs. See, that's something I'd have to really think about. Off the top of my head, I don't know. I'll go Trey Mancini. Because you got to remember, too, what makes this kind of bogus is that 
doing something like this is player movement is something that's more new than it was years ago. Oh, yeah. Then this one, Orioles, Rangers, I'll go Chris Davis. The other Chris Davis. So that, that's concept, essentially what it is. Every day it's the same thing. So we're just going to guess every day, who played for the Pirates and the Cubs? You, well, they changed the team, so yes. Well, yeah, I think the one the first, Ray Jensen actually said. I this. like I like the other. I like who had forty say. Yeah, who the, have the, the other one was um, just the who played for what? How many teams? One of them I saw was because uh, then because then this is like who's got the best knowledge of rando players that played for yeah. multiple teams? Because really, on on the if you're a good player, you normally don't play for that many teams. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to go Aramis Ramirez, Pirate, oh, Pirate Cub. See, if I'm playing the Aramis Ramirez game. Pirate Ranger, I'll go Gary Matthews. Clearly, we have somebody who really likes this. See, this I, is something you're yeah. interested in. Yeah. Cody's got a game. It's all, Hey, Ray, Ray Jensen sent it to me. So, essentially, uh, one the other day was uh, name a gold glover who had 100 RBIs in a season. Nolan Arenado. Yeah, or Barry Bonds. You can do a ton of them. Yeah. And then it was one of them, like, uh, Gold Glove. Mark McGuire. Uh, one of them was Gold Glove pitcher, or it was, like, Gold Glover for the Braves. And I went. Uh, Greg Maddox. I went, I went Greg Maddox. <laughs> How many did he win with them? Like, um, a lot. Well, he did win some with the Cubs, so he won, like, 16. See, that would interest me. So we'll see We'll see what it is tomorrow. If you could give me that kind of stuff, like those kind of questions, that interests me. Just saying who played for what doesn't do much for me. But if you're throwing in the, hey, gold glove, MVP, da-da-da-da-da, that interests me. Can, yeah. you, can you make that happen? Well, I, I'm not in control of this, but I'll, I'll, I'll send you the one from tomorrow when I get it tomorrow or when I look it up in the morning. All right. We can see, and then we can try to get on Friday if we like it. Had fun today on the show. Kylie McDaniel from the Baseball Combine. Mark Shelton, who covers the Reds for MLB.com. They won again today. It's 11. Haven't won 12 since. 1957. See, I well, see, he's good. I remember things. Uh, Bob Nightingale from the USA Today. Coming up next, A's Total Access brought to you by Chevron. Tomorrow's a day game. Yeah. So we're not back till Thursday? Friday. Or tomorrow is Thursday? Yeah. Friday, Blue Jays, we're going to have well, – See, isn't it weird when you have a Monday off? It kind of messes yeah. the week up. Friday, well, it's Blue Jays, so we'll have uh, Mark Kotze. Eno Saris and Mark Kotze from the Sky Dome. You call it the Rogers Center. Uh, you know, and not Dan Schulman, but we're going to get his son, Ben, who's on the radio call. Because I reached out to Dan. He's on vacation. He goes, would you guys like to have my – Dan, we'll have your son on. You've done so much oh, to help yeah, us. we'll have his son on. Yeah, so – Does his son sound like him? I don't know. I'm going to find out. Is it like Tony Gwynn and Tony Gwynn Jr.? Well, that would be, uh, be interesting. I have, to look, I have to look up his son, and then I'm going to see if, what he sound, see if he sounds like him. All right, A's baseball coming up next. Athletics up against the Guardians. We get you ready on A's Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. Thank you for listening and watching, everybody. We'll see you on Friday. It's summertime, and I can guarantee you, you probably need to redo your wardrobe. You, you want to look good, and you want to feel comfortable. This is Chris Townsend, and you got to go check out my friends at Link Soul. They've got all the finest fabrics. You're going to love the shirts, the polos, the shorts, you name it. Redo your look for summertime. Go to LinkSoul.com right now, and you can get an offer for 20% off. Remember, in the big leagues, to play good, you got to look good. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.